the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. Now, Ronnie's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get my way. Hello, and welcome to episode 189 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper, the two Mr. Reliables, we'll say. Jack yeah. was a little late last week, well, early then late, but yeah, no I was dinner today, so uh, he's all good. I feel like it's a false claim as we waited for an hour. And we had technical <laughs> I just said originally early, then later. I think I've got some credit in the bank where that comes from. But yeah, we we missed out with you being able to say about being mugged in uh, Lille, so I feel like I was like. That was massively understated. <laughs> well, it, was, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a mugging. It was a full-out assault. Well, <laughs> fortunately, I wasn't there. I was behaving myself. I was on my little um, like Ferris wheel thing. Yeah. I, had a, yes. I, I think I paid like twelve euros for a little uh, little bracelet where they put things in together with a French flag because I thought that was counted as my little souvenir. We had two very different experiences. It seems. <laughs> Yours like buying souvenirs and experiencing French Ferris wheel culture and I'm being mugged from my phone. <laughs> One of the other kids um, who I was with, we spent half the time with him buying a pair of leather gloves. So what? To look like a mobster. That yeah. sounds a is little that, creepy. Is that someone called Connor by any chance? No. Oh, I thought that had Dalmedico written all over it. No. Jordan, his name was. Actually, I might have been there on the German trip one of the two but anyway news of the week and then as I said last week we're going to get into Arsenal's transfer business so we had some howlers with Liverpool which we gave TK some flack for despite the fact he wasn't involved in any of the transfer business <laughs> but my, my turn to uh, hold some licks this weekend I think it will go that way just for I mean the first name on the list is William Gallas so we'll get to that <laughs> We're divisive from the start. <laughs> so news of the week. First headline I saw. Save the whales, save the tigers, but most of all, please save the tapeworms. What the hell? I feel like that does need to be read in. Because, <laughs> like, why? Let me what tell you, the, if reason? I had the choice, I wouldn't be saving them. No. No, no they, they seem like something we need rid of. <laughs> They're your personal... That'd be a super dis- disappointing zoo. If you go, <laughs> we've got the tigers and tapeworms. <laughs> Um, Colorado prison escapee caught after nearly 50 years on the run. He's had a good innings there. Yeah, he's got to just be great, bro. 
So you can't really complain now after you, you've got to kind of put your hands up there. <laughs> I think there should be a thing that if you make that sort of time, you just that's it, you're allowed to go. I think yeah. you've done, you've earned your strike. <laughs> like, what's that thing in America where if like the crime has been so long between, then you can't be prosecuted for it? Statute of limitations, is it? Yeah, sounds right. That sounds like a very American law. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll just just let you off. It's supposed to, I think the the idea is because they say that the people who are there, their testimony won't be the same as it would have been if it was taken at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But still, when you have someone that reports like a rape a year too late and people are saying, well, I'm sorry, your time's up. (laughs) <laughs> then it seems a bit of a dodgy dodgy law then so anyway nurse set off fire alarm to see colleagues breasts bounce as she ran down the corridor <laughs> I've seen this yeah uh, <laughs> timid emu on the run in Yorkshire I like the fact they've got a timid in there <laughs> yeah, that's what really sold like a, me on it like a social profiling of it <laughs> Remains of worker trapped inside New Orleans casino machine removed after 10 months. 10 months? So that's I was like one of them uh, like crane machines. <laughs> He's tried climbing and just, in and it's just yeah. gone wrong. Yeah, and they, just, they couldn't get him out either because they had to try and use the crane. <laughs> Someone wasted all their money on it. Yeah. <laughs> New Zealand goose. How one blind bisexual bird became an icon. Uh, the last blockbuster in the world will soon be available to rent on Airbnb for just $4 a night (laughs) are they keeping it in the same that's a weird they put like a TV in there essentially and as it's essentially just a place with a blockbuster thing on the top because inside it's really not a blockbuster anymore (laughs) That's like a cultural thing that kids these days will never understand. No. Like, go in there I on a Friday this, night. I don't have that many memories of actually getting things in blockbusters. See, I, I do. Remember... I, I remember the nights of you'd go to Pizza Hut's and then your mate would be staying over and you'd go into like blockbuster and you'd go and rent like a really crap PS2, like one game or PS2 game and stay up all night playing it. I remember getting Agent Cody Banks rented on DVD for that. <laughs> oh, so that's hell. the level of things we're talking about. Oh. It's not the same kid from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that was him, wasn't it? <laughs> so we had a little racket going on. We used to rent VHSs. And we used to have two video recorders set up to one TV. So you could play on one and record the tape on another. So we used to just copy all of the tapes. <laughs> you hound. Just a bad guy. <laughs> Thug life. And as we always say, TK's work in Blockbuster did happen to coincide with uh, it all going downhill, so make it out what you will. My sacking coincided with it going downhill, <laughs> so make it out what you will. <laughs> Being sacked the... for a Blockbuster is not what you want on your CV. <laughs> Have you still got the uniform? I imagine that probably would go for quite a bit now. No, they have the relic. fucking badge. Joke. Hand it uh, in like the FBI. Yeah, to your T-shirt and badge. <laughs> give, me, give me your badge and your gun, Tom. Okay. <laughs> Throw it across oh. the desk. <laughs> Husband discovers wife's affair after spotting her in the act on Google Maps. Didn't they not blur out the faces? How 
reliable is this guy as a source? Hey, for one, other weird things we look on a Google Maps. Is that your wife? Fi- Jesus, <laughs> what's going on there? What a way to find. What are the odds? When you confront someone, when you confront someone, I saw you on Google Maps, so don't even try and deny it. <laughs> the tragic thing for him is obviously that's a few years behind, so this has been going on for a long period of time <laughs> by the time he finds out. Um, man installs life-size wax model of dead wife for housewarming. Controversial, Jesus. that. Um, restaurant chain in China apologises for weighing diners to determine how big their portions should be. <laughs> That's actually a very, very kind of... <laughs> I, I thought that when I saw it. If you can get past the initial shame, then you'll be laughing when you get a bigger portion, assuming they're saying you weigh a lot so you have a bigger portion rather than you don't need as much today do you i was gonna say what if it's the reverse you'll be furious (laughs) i imagine it's a cost thing that's what they're probably doing it for so they can kind of designate the cost who knows well i could have known if i clicked the headline (laughs) uh zoom class interrupted when student's mother is fatally shot see this caught me off guard because they're making the Zoom class part the main part of the headline. Someone's <laughs> mum's been shot, and it's like, well, it interrupted the Zoom class. <laughs> it's probably just the case that I imagine it's in America, and it's like no one's safe. Like school shootings are going on, even when everyone's not at school. Crikey! Man arrested after allegedly groping women, cracking eggs on their heads, and wearing fake breasts. Edmonton police say. I mean, that's really fun if you take away the groping part. That's a true threat. <laughs> You'd have to come up with like one of those like catchy criminal names for him as well, the gropey egg smasher. Well, I always like it when, and this is <laughs> not related to that, but when we had a headline the week before, and then we can kind of follow it on the week later. So last week, um, I don't know if you listened back, Jack, but we had um, a vending machine full of sausages in Germany, and TK yeah. was saying how odd it is with just how fascinated they are with sausages over there. So um, yeah. a German hacker has turned 10 sausages into a working piano. Some people just have way too much time on their hands. Only 10 as well. You could do that with 10 sausages. It's been furloughed. What are you going to do? That is is impressive if you take away the sausage factor. (laughs) And finally, um, calls are growing for an international ban on the creation of killer robots which could pose a grave threat to humanity. That's quite a specific ban. Of all the things that have been banned, I feel that like that's probably the best thing <laughs> to ban. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you'd imagine this day and age you still have some opposition to banning that as well. Someone outside with their placards. Yeah. Toxic, toxic human behaviour. I feel like they've watched Terminator and they've just thought, you know what, no, we're going to snip this in the bud before it kind of takes off. Yeah. Well, I remember I read the book um, Homo Deus and that's about kind of the history of tomorrow and there's a specific term for it but they essentially say that we are the first kind of uh, species ever that is essentially directly going to wipe themselves out like every other species beforehand yeah. they couldn't have done anything about the ice age or whatever and it's more of a matter of fact now as to how are we going to wipe ourselves out whether it's going to be global warming whether it's going to be creating killer robots that are going to wipe ourselves out and the concept that 
we essentially accept we are going to create an intelligence so great that it's going to exceed ourselves yet we yeah. still continue to do it anyway essentially as a vanity project yeah it's it is mental it's like there's how many films out there where it all goes wrong people should just watch that to see the downsides so you know what? they shouldn't have made um sunny and irobot kind of be a good guy in the end yeah no he needs to be a bastard that's what changed it i always think back to that film where there's a squadron of pilots and they make one ai plane and they like how it integrates within their team and it just goes rogue and kills everyone <laughs> so it just follows the same blueprint as every ai ever just nice at the start oh yeah it's gonna kill everyone x machina is actually quite a good uh little film that gets slept on i think a lot of yeah film, decent film decent film I'd think the bloke in a lot of my uncle as well, which spun me out. <laughs> you have to go like pull off his face just to check. <laughs> anyway, that is the news of the week wrapped up. Sorry there wasn't quite as much as last week, but hey, we don't make the news, we just report it. Well, actually, we have been making news recently. Check out uh, our interview with David Dobkins. So there you go. Before we get all into the football, Jack, I usually ask you at the end to give your pick for our movie madness matchup. So we've got the final matchup of the first round this week and it is uh, 2007's Knocked Up against 2003's Old School. Which what? would you be siding with? So that's the final? No, no, this is the final matchup of the first round. Right, okay. Probably going to have to go with Knocked Up on that. First person I've spoke to who's uh, gone that way, so that is pleasing to hear. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of it, but we'll see how it goes on there. Uh, on Friday, it'll be released, but we'll be recording beforehand to uh, give a little peek behind the curtain. Awesome. Anyway, we got into the Liverpool transfers last week. We got Arsenal transfers this week. We were pleased to have 20 people do the survey last week. Went all in this week, put it online. It Within 40 minutes, 100 people had done this survey. And short of me paying over £200 to go pro on the website we use, that was the limit. So I didn't think I'd have to apologise to people for not being able to fill out our survey, but I did, I did find myself doing that. So thank you, thank you to everyone that's done that. It actually meant that you two didn't have a chance to do the survey yourselves. So. <laughs> There's no special privileges there. You snooze, you lose. And as it was done at about 2am quite literally you did snooze and lose and we are going to get into manchester united's transfer business uh next week and we do have the charmer joining us so uh maybe a bit more fun than i'll have this week tk had last week and jack had with the week of chelsea so we'll have next week to look forward to and we may have aj joining us again so his man united roots could come back out (laughs) So we went from Istanbul for Liverpool to the present day. We don't quite have the happy ending that we had as Premier League champions. So (laughs) we can say here how Arsenal went from Champions League finalists to FA Cup winners, which isn't quite as charming, but (laughs) we've still got heartbreak to success, we could say. So this is the 2006-07 season is when we started. And if you boys are ready, we'll go straight in now. Let's do it. Let's do this. So 
William Gallas is the first transfer made across here. So there was no fee involved. He was part of the deal in which Ashley Cole went to Chelsea. And I do think this is slept on when Jack has said plenty of times, um, you can hear him grinning while saying it, how Chelsea just offload their players. They don't want any more to Arsenal. As much as Chelsea didn't want Gallas at that point, I know he had threatened to start scoring on goals, which maybe is a character you shouldn't want to take into your team if if he's going to the papers and saying that. But Arsenal take him as part of the Ashley Cole deal. At least it was a player who was still in probably the better years of his career at that stage. It wasn't like we were getting David Luiz at 32 years old. Yeah, no, that, that that is true. My thoughts on it, kind of, we he was playing left back for us anyway because we bought obviously Carvalho and JT. You're not going to display, so he was playing left back, and we up traded to have Ashley Cole. I feel, and the fact that he wore number ten at Arsenal as a defender, <laughs> that's an automatic like miss for me. He was the first person to wear the shirt since Burkamp. That's, <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah, that. It was not cool, but that was in the days of when news like that could really shock you because you didn't get it from some journalist on Twitter that leaks it and kind of everyone hears it in that space. It was quite literally when the back page of the paper was a real thing that could give you some significant news you didn't, you didn't yet know. Mm. Seeing that, crikey, it was like we've got we've got a character here. A <laughs> <laughs> character you got. I mean, I think this is a good one to start with. And I found it quite difficult when I was going for the hit and miss because I was trying to think about it objectively. And he was obviously a very good player. He did go on to become our captain, which I don't think is any secret. It didn't end well. Any player that goes from Chelsea to Arsenal to Tottenham, you know <laughs> things aren't exactly perfect. <laughs> I wish he'd carried on and gone through the other London clubs. West Ham yeah, still have a go now. He went to Marseille in between. There's that. So not directly there, but he was still there. 142 appearances for Arsenal. 17 goals. That's better than some of the strikers Arsenal that we're going to go through on this <laughs> list for Arsenal. He was quite prolific. I remember him scoring a screamer against, I think it was Tottenham. He scored, and... a, he scored against Chelsea in, in a win. This was yeah. when he obviously started off very well. I remember a spell when you had him and Torre playing together at the back and both of them wanted to bomb forward with the ball. You're like, someone's yeah. fucking stay back. Yeah, this was before you had like different names for the type of defender as well, before people were talking about their ball-playing defenders and their Liberons and all sorts of this from playing football manager. This was just you had a defender that could use his feet and that was yeah. about as far as you went in the description of it. Yeah, people like knew what it was, but it didn't, there wasn't like the name attached to it as... as kind of specifically for each team as it is now, is it? No, the, the thing with Gallas for me was he was good until he kind of asked himself, what am I really playing for here? When he realised, look, we're not winning the title this year. Or he realised the rest of the team isn't too great here, particularly. And so it was almost like when we played for Brockworth and we'd be 12 nil down at half time, suddenly... If you were going forward, the defence weren't too fussed in making sure they were disciplined in the back still. <laughs> because the game's already gone here and you don't really care what's happening. So 
he was mental for going forward. Yeah. But I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of my overriding memories of him is you'd be looking around and usually you get that now with your fullback where you're thinking they're out of position, usually Hector Bellerin or someone like that. Gallas was right <laughs> up there. Yeah. Someone's like said, for offside and it's Gallas. You can get away with one, but when both centre-halves want to do it, hang on, <laughs> who's reining it in? Who was his partner at the time? Was it Philippe Senderos? Was it that era? Was it so we had, on? around that time, it would have been Colo, it would have been Senderos. Hmm. Um, you had the return of Sol Campbell in there, who we'll get to. Hmm. He had some decent partners. He was in there because... He was a leader, obviously, maybe to a fault. Of sorts. Yeah. So, in terms of hit and miss, I would go miss. And I think if the end wasn't quite so bad, then I think he would be a hit which you would kind of say, Look, we could have done without him. I think when the deal first happened, I think Chelsea are obviously happy they're getting Ashley Cole. I think Arsenal walk away from that deal thinking, I don't think there's much better we could have got here. Our hands were tied. Cole had made it pretty clear he was going to leave. Chelsea have dogged us beyond our back here, so <laughs> we're screwed there as well. And so it was probably quite fortunate that he was available. And you got cash plus Gallas. On, yeah. paper, on paper, it's a good deal. But there was the 08 when we're going for the league title. We go away to Birmingham. Right at the end of the game, I think Gail Clichy gives away a penalty for what was harsh, but Eduardo had gone off injured. Things Arsenal really should have won the league that year. And Gallas, at the end of the game, sits in the middle of the field and cries. And that was the point where there's no, there's no coming back from that, is there? That really was the no. turning point of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Quite literally. And if he doesn't react like that, there's, I think there's, it's still retrievable. I think there's still a way back. But I do think he was almost the final nail in the car. Bear in mind, that was still February, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. End of Feb. So it's not like, you know, it's right at the death of the season. There's still time to go. And I think his reaction kind of probably says to the players, doesn't it, that, that our season's done. <laughs> Which isn't great from when the captain's doing it. Well, no, I mean, even was- Gerard, when he slipped against Chelsea, he's still the one at the end of the game that's trying to pick the players up despite knowing that yeah, probably yeah. this is done and dusting. Once you get back in the dressing room, you can you can do whatever you want. Yes, because mm. it was it was plastered everywhere, wasn't it? The yeah. images of him on the on the floor. Yeah, it was, the, it was like the public showing. It was just embarrassing. Well, that he, was almost... he, he screamed at, um, I think it was Theo Walcott, who he screamed at, who would have been a kid at the time. He screamed at Clichy, who, when he was bad, he was bad. But it was kind of one of them where Arsenal did the classic, where they're backing in and backing in and backing in. The players are shook from Eduardo going off injured. I think Fabregas had puked on the pitch. <laughs> and it was like, if you need one guy to hold it together... You need your captain to, yeah. You need it to be him. And so things went downhill from there. I think he forced a move from memory at the end where he wasn't yeah. too happy. yeah. And that always goes against you as well. So he would be a miss, but people gave it as a miss on the uh, overall. It was 62% said he was a miss. So I don't think he's revered himself too well in the memory of Arsenal fans. And it certainly didn't help that he's then gone on to play for Spurs after. 
No. And he made no apologies for the fact that he'd played for each club either. He almost pretended he hadn't played for them. When he played against Chelsea for Arsenal, he made no qualms about how happy he was to win or to celebrate. When he played the Spurs against Arsenal, he made no qualms about the fact <laughs> he played for Arsenal and he was more than happy to try and get the job done there as well. <laughs> Second one was uh, Julio Baptista, who so he came from Real Madrid on loan. There's obviously one game in particular that stands out, and that's the game against Liverpool where he scores four in a 6-3 win at Anfield. Mental. Which is nice to be able to talk of a game like that, to be honest, because usually it's the other way around. <laughs> that actually felt quite nice just to be able to say. But that was one of them games where you tune in and you're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> You're telling me. I was looking at him thinking, <laughs> he's just fucking wank every other time I've seen him. What's going on? Well, I know I find... we were interested in keeping him after the fact, but he was homesick, supposedly, and was one of them where he, he kind of just refused to stay with us. He did then go to Roma afterwards, so clearly wasn't too <laughs> fond of being, being he in had, Spain. He had the Tevez homesickness. We yeah. actually went further away from home. I mean, just going by transfer marks, so they kind of have a what they deem their market value at the time, and so this is how they show whether, I guess, you're a success or not when you go between clubs. So say you have Gallas, his market value is higher when he joins Arsenal than, when, than it was when he left mm. to join Marseille Spurs. And so coming to Arsenal, that's really what they deem as being at the peak of his career in terms of his marketability and so he came in he was called the beast i remember seeing a kid at school who had him on the back of his shirt so he was a hit with the fans almost just because of how he looked the fact you come from real madrid always helps but i don't have very many memories of him other than that game against liverpool so it is one of them where so 67 percent of people gave him as a miss yeah i'm, I'm not surprised I think that mem- I would have given mem- him as a hit because Bloody this hell. was back in the day when you didn't when you didn't pay a huge loan fee, and so having him in the team, I don't think he did anything particularly wrong to go down as a miss. I don't know. Over the Liverpool game, whenever I saw him, he was dreadful. I was thinking, how the fuck did you ever play for Madrid? I know they had some ropey players around then as well, mind, but yeah, Royston Drente was getting a game around. <laughs> He was at least you know, a young prospect that was touted. I, yeah, I, I would have had a miss on here. I, I'd have thought twice with Gallas, but I wouldn't have been thinking twice with him, Christ. Maybe I'm remembering that Liverpool game a bit too fondly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shock on his face with the fourth one as he's celebrating, where he's like, <laughs> he's got Martin Tyler in his ear saying, you'll never see anything like this again. <laughs> he's thinking, you're absolutely right. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> So we've got another Brazilian up next. Five million signing from Sao Paulo, Danielson. I'll I get, be honest, I think he gets a bad rap. I've been very critical of him. Yeah, I would be too. I don't think he was that brilliant. He didn't shine. I think... But, I remember just watching him thinking, I don't know what he brings here. He doesn't really bring anything to the table. This is, this is, towards, this is like towards the time where you were searching for that midfielder, weren't you? The kind of big midfielder or... 
try a tricky midfielder just to kind of you had Fabregas and you needed that Vieira that's team. about a 10 year spell you're talking about there Jerry. exactly this is what I mean and you just constantly cycled through oh. so many kind of centre midfielders that just you thought were going to be great but never turned out to be I think he was your typical Arsene Wenger player he had the archetype of an Arsene Wenger player because he was technically good his issue was that he was so frail and so <laughs> He this was very much probably coming to the the latter part of it, but when you Arsenal don't like it, Upham essentially is the thing which still happens today. Even I think Sean Dyke said it before a game last season, then complained that we were too physical afterwards. So <laughs> the cheek. But Danielson was one of them. Technically, he was better than people will remember him for. Um, and my overriding memory of him is a game against Everton. And it was a three o'clock kickoff. Van Persie actually goes on to level it late on to clinch a draw. But he he pulls his hamstring, I believe. And rather than do anything with the ball, he loses it on the centre circle when the whole team's pushed up and we're going forward. He he just drops to the floor, does nothing I remember with the ball, this. Yeah, yeah. doesn't do anything. And from that point forward, Wenger said, just handball it. If, if anything happens, you're not going to get sent off for doing it there. So just handball it. But he didn't do it. They obviously go straight down and score at the other end. I think at the age of 21, he was capped by Brazil because of his performances for Arsenal. So he wasn't as bad as he's made out, but he probably is a miss due to the fact that, as you said, there was no outstanding quality. It's, yeah, it's that kind of memorable factor. You just You don't look back and think, wow, what a player. Yeah, that was, that was a problem. You were, you were right in what you said about a typical Wenger, but around this sort of time as well, Wenger did sign a number of players who, you can't say they're not good footballers, you can't say they're bad, they just, they just man, there's not a lot to them and at a time when you needed uh, some more standout quality. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, he was at Arsenal for five years. So, and it, I think some of these players end, are fortunate with how long they stay as well. Yeah. I think he was one that, you know, you could have bombed early if you wanted to. Well, there was there was the constant well, he was thing of exception. probably give him a chance. There was the constant thing of with these players where they were kept along because there was look, we don't want them to click for someone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it was similar around the time when, I mean, I'm sure they still do it now, where you would be convinced that Chelsea would sign players just so just so someone else couldn't sign them. <laughs> and Arsenal, I think, were keeping some of these players because really they don't want him to go to another team and suddenly flourish and have the classic, well, look what happened to the, all these players that left Arsenal. Yeah. Eventually, he was one of them where we, we couldn't get rid of him. We had the likes of um, Oxley chamberlain coming through, was trying to play in their position, and essentially he was just keeping a squad space in that he wasn't doing a lot with. So I think we ditched him back to Sao Paulo in the end. Um, the... the the coach, I think, described him as really, really irritating. So <laughs> when he went back, I don't well, think he's stayed for long, but uh, he, he does look whiny. And <laughs> I can imagine him being of that case. But as, towards the end of his career, his, his legs went. And he's one of them where when your legs go, they go. And he was just being injured after injury after injury. And usually Again. when you see, when you get two injuries in your knees... You know, like this yeah. is one that's going to keep coming back. Especially as a midfielder in the Premier League, that's kind of 
if they go, you go, because you need that robustness. I remember, again, Arsenal around that period, you'd start really well and be like, oh, title challenge. And then everyone would be injured at Christmas. <laughs> I'm laughing through tears there. <laughs> yeah, yeah Denilson, I think it was, he'd be similar to the ones we said last week where we do hit or miss because uh, I, mean, I had some complaints about the fact that we'd narrowed it down to just quite simply hit or miss, but there isn't much point if we're going the whole way through going, oh, they weren't great, they weren't awful, so we'll just give them a <laughs> yeah. neutral. If we have about 80 of them the whole way through, it's not going to be a great thing to listen to. So, Danielson, I can understand why he'd be a miss, but I think it would be closer on the scale if we had it kind of tipping one way to some of the others. 76% of people did deem him a miss, so that might suggest the way things go. Next one up, so Thomas Rizicki from Borussia Dortmund, £10 million. I'm probably going here just because of how often he played. Like when everyone seemed to be injured, he would always be there. If that makes sense. And it, he, and he's. It, you must be thinking of someone else. I was, because I was just going to say, is it not the complete reverse? Yeah, he Rizicki. he was one who his injury record was abysmal. Yeah, the the most games I must be he's. Of the most games he ever played in a season was 28 for Arsenal. Right. Yeah, I must be thinking of someone yeah, else. Yeah, I was giving him a hit despite uh, his lack of games. I think like his moments of quality, like he'd have a deft touch every that's, now and again. That's the thing. His moments of quality is that I think, I mean, I might be speaking out of turn, but I feel he's someone which other fans seem to have a soft spot for, maybe in the same way that they do for Santi Gazzola, because he was someone who you would just like to see playing football. Benga called him Little Mozart for the yeah. way that he played for his deft touches and the kind of skill he had in around the area. And then on top of that little technical ability, he had an absolute cannon of a foot on him mm. because he, his goal, his goal reel is a joke. Yeah. He loved the goalie at Spurs as well, which always helps for how you're going to be deemed by Arsenal fans. Yes. Yeah, for those reasons, I've given him a hit. Um, if you did give him a miss because of all the injuries and the lack of game time and what he probably could have done, I can see it. But I think there was enough in there, had enough of a CV to get the hit. He's through, Again, I said it last week, but through no fault of his own, he, he was good enough that we shouldn't even really be having a discussion that it should be an automatic hit. It's just because mm. of the injuries that it's even a debate, I think. I was thinking about comparing him to Adam Lallana when... I was compiling the list in that the quality obviously is there. I think if you had the highlight reel side by side, then Riziki's I do think would be a certainly lot more goal. of a fun watch. But certainly goals wise, yeah. In terms of the quality being there, being that type of player, but injuries essentially derailing meaning that you're gonna be spoken about as what you could have done rather than what you did do for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. And that's gonna be there. But Ten million pounds. That was one Wenger clearly felt that he did want to bring in. He played against us for him, Sparta Prague in the Champions League, who we seem to be drawn with just about every other year. So he played for them. Obviously, came in from Dortmund, and then his his moments, I think, are enough to earn him a hit. Ninety-seven percent of people agreed there as well. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. In terms of the ratings um, for that incoming patch it ranges from a 2 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10 <laughs> um, <laughs> yes 
gave it a uh, two out of ten. One person gave it a nine out of ten. The the most popular answer was a five out of ten. I'm ass- I'm assuming they're calling the Riziki one a hit. Looking at the moments from Baptista, maybe the moments of Galas and Danielson, they're thinking, okay, he he wasn't great, but he he wasn't someone where you were cursing. We need to get him off the books like we were with some other ones that we're going to get onto later on. It's more the hope, I imagine. You kind of sat there hoping, like, please, just don't get injured. You kind of shudder every time he gets the ball. It is a lot different because when we were doing Chelsea, we were doing about seven, eight, nine people a window. Um, mm. For Arsenal, it's maybe two or three. So to start 2007-2008, Thierry Henry sold this summer. Arsenal looking for a replacement. Um in your eyelids when the replacement is um, Eduardo da Silva brought in from Dinamo Zagreb. Um, he actually cost more than what we received for Thierry Henry. Wow. So you can see that there. He, was that he down was, to a, a contract kind of being run down by I Henry. think it was one of them where essentially Henry's getting older. We, we were historically awful as a selling club. Um as much as in the earlier years they would say Wenger knew when to sell a player, it was more for the fact of he knew when you weren't of use to the squad anymore more than he knew when to get the money for the player. So we've mm. seen with Liverpool where they've looked at someone like Solanke and they've said, look, his stock is never going to be higher than it is now due to the fact that Boy, was people it. can still say the talent is there and he's young enough that you can say it is still there to be brought out, get rid of him now. And you look at, say, Chelsea when they let Matic go to United for £40 million, And it's mm. like, in hindsight, that looks like that really was the time to let him go to get yeah. the peak amount of money for him. And I don't think Arsenal were good at that. They were just... They knew when you weren't of use to the squad anymore more than they knew when this is where we're going to get the cash for you. Mm. And so you can see in the transfer business... There isn't ever really a big sign-in that you can then put towards reshaping the team. So it really is kind of one in, one out. Yeah. Eduardo is one of them where, I think we had it on here before, where Troy was maybe more critical of the way he's remembered. I remember him really fondly. and It's not as a sympathetic thing because of the injury. He was just one of them where his technical ability was unbelievable. His goals, again, are one where it will stand up next to some of the other kind of top-class strikers who we're going to speak about on all of these podcasts. He scored one against Burnley, which I think was called kind of the beach the beach ball goal, which was kind of like a sideways volley. Just the touches he had and the way he manoeuvred the ball and the perfect combination of being quick enough to beat a defender. His technical ability was there to know what to do with the right finish, whether it was outside of the foot, whether it was chipping the keeper, this, that. It is just that the injury did suffer. His career quite literally never recovered. He reminded me like of Aguero when he first came. Just quick, small, could hit a ball, could dart in and out of players. And that was to his detriment, I suppose, when he, for when he got injured. I, I do honestly think if he doesn't get injured that season, then, then we do win the league. Yeah, that was the turning point. You're right, as you discussed earlier. And I think... He just had poppers on legs. Like, this, that, I just, I've never seen a leg break like it. It was one of those where yeah. it was reported on Teletext 
and you were like, right, I have to watch Match of the Day to see this. And they wouldn't and show it. They, I, they showed it on the night one, the morning one. They said it's, it's too graphic, so they wouldn't yeah, show it. Yeah, I know the so papers uh, were more than happy to get out there. I was going to say, that was everywhere. Yeah. The papers had, they had like a three-page spread with different players' faces reacting to the injury as well. So they were giving it the big sell there. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like the way that he falls on his back and his leg just kind of like flobbles around. I, that I can was, say, sorry. I was just going to say, was that around the time Dribble Cissé got the same injury where he just snapped his leg into? Cissé was a few years before, wasn't he? Yeah. So it's like, you just kind of wait around for these freak moments where you can think, oh, could have watched this. <laughs> the, the thing is, his goal scoring record on paper isn't what I remember it to be. Oh yeah, mine either. I mean, I saw and I was looking up and it's six goals. I was like, hang on a minute. I'm sure he was better than that. Yeah, I think it was like eight in 41 Premier League games. I think that's pointing towards something, lads. A lot I think of, the, some I, of them are on the return afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I I think part, and part of the point I believe Troy was making, you said when he was uh, critiquing um, Eduardo in comparison to how you remember him, was uh, something I've thought before as well, is that I think what he would have gone on to become from this leg break has been falsified a little bit. I think he was always a very good striker. I don't know if he ever would have been a top, top striker. I would say, for example, in comparison, the same summer we signed Torres, if I was to compare the two prior to Eduardo breaking his leg, I think one was a top striker and one was a very good striker. And I think that is potentially all Eduardo was and all he was ever going to be. Now, obviously... He never was able to get back to that height again because of leg break, which is massively unfortunate. But I'm not sure if he was ever quite what is potentially being suggested he could have been. A little bit like a pop star that dies young. <laughs> like they were very think... good. Were they going to be a legend? Probably not. Do you not just... think with his kind of uh, his skill set that he? I think he was always going to be upper echelons of the strikers in the league just because of the way he played football and the way the Premier League is. Admittedly, in my head, he had about 20 goals before he got injured that season. That is how his season in my head is. Obviously, <laughs> the facts are quite contrary to that. Mm. I'm just saying that's the kind of player he, he was in my head. and I do think the fact that I don't remember any fans saying we've wasted the Henri money here when he's come straight in does say a lot about the way he was performing before obviously it went it went downhill but yeah. I don't think anyone was saying he's tearing the league I don't think anyone was worried about him or fearing him I don't remember in the same manner as again Torres is an unfair comparison maybe but I'm just saying because that was the same summer I kind and of I, like I was, yeah, I was just going to say I kind of liken him to Lacazette at the moment like can have his moments but for the most part, unconvincing would probably be the best way to In terms it. of like the level yeah, he he's at, game I, against I, Chelsea, Lacazette. I would probably put him in that sort of echelon in terms of what I thought he could have been. Where he's, mm. he's, not, he's not going to be your top striker, but he's still very good. The Arsenal strikers that season where he came in are Adebayor, Bentner, Eduardo, Van Persie and Walcott. So Goals. it may be that in comparison... At the time, he was the best of the bunch. Yeah. So that may have something to do with it. But 
but then that season is out of by all maybe his best season so it could be that <laughs> I don't know I don't think he was a bad sign still having all you know said all this I still think you know the injury is obviously a killer but I wouldn't argue if someone said he was still a hit I don't know can you say he's a hit has he <coughs> did he did he get the chance to really do enough I'd say he's a miss. I mean, if you go on stats alone, leg break or not, if you just go from the stats, you can't, you can't argue with six goals in 41 games. Yeah. It's just I not mean, good enough for a striker. Looking back, he was playing alongside Adebayor, who hit 24 and 36 that season in the league. So probably Again, was contributing to that all the same. Stri- strikers are judged on their goals, no matter who they are. You can say... Especially the was... Eduardo was a bit of a poacher as well. That's the other thing. Is mm. Look, I mean, seventy-two percent of people gave him a hit. Yeah, I, this is I Arsenal they fans. So we all can concede. So this True. is almost strictly Arsenal fans that have answered this. So, but that was the point of the survey going in was to see. I wonder. If I wonder what how I many perceive on... is different to what you two perceive. I do, mm. Yeah, I do wonder if, on reflection, how many of those would acknowledge a bit of nostalgia creeping into them. I wonder. I mean. He scored against us in the Champions League and Arsenal fans cheered it. <laughs> oh, there you go. So they're all... I think, I think he's one where you do feel bad when you sell someone after a bad injury that they've obviously received on the pitch because it's kind of like, look, you suffered this while doing this on behalf of us. In service so for is us. Going to be a lot, yeah, that is going to be a large part of it. I yeah. do think it is kind of what you've said there. So it is a large part of that is the what if. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you search like Premier League what ifs, would Arsenal have won the league if Eduardo hadn't got injured is one of the most common ones you'll see on any of those lists. I think even without the injury to the player itself, the mental effect, effect that it had on the team, I think. Well, I think obviously the, the Gallas blow up, as I said, I think is probably the turning point. The worst so, part, yeah. So if, mm. if that doesn't, if obviously if the injury doesn't happen, then potentially that doesn't happen and you, you go on smooth sailing for a bit. But but then was that, you know, was Gallas going to blow up at some point anyway? I don't know. He probably was a ticking time bomb, but yeah, yeah. he probably, maybe it could have been that he went mental celebrating a league title rather than <laughs> yeah, he true. went mental mourning a penalty. The next one, I, I think there's there's real no room for debate for, and that's Bakary Sanya, signed from Orcs there, nine million pounds. Yeah, got to be a hit. Ninety nine percent of people gave him as a hit, and I'm assuming the one person who didn't is unhappy about the manner in which he left. So, or you've he, got Saboteur again. Yeah, he's one where I, I really do think for a brief period of time was the best right back in the league. I think if Ashley Cole wasn't around, then you might be saying the best fullback in the league. He, a rare case of a fullback, especially nowadays, that is just as good at defending as going forward. His crossing was great. His, he had a bullet header on him. And one-on-one defending, he, he was very good. He, he didn't have a poor disciplinary record. I can't remember a game which we've spoken about several players before where they've been torched by any specific player they've played against. I think Callum Chambers uh, against Swansea is the one that we always revert to. <laughs> Which I'm sure there are worse, but that is just one. <laughs> See, unfortunately for him, does come back. I think it's because it's like Montero as well. So it's, yeah. 
it's the uh, crowning for him and the worst moment for Chambers because neither <laughs> really do, do anything after. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Bakary Sanya, I mean, at the end, we're going to do the, the best value sign and I think he certainly would be top five, if not number one. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree with all of the above. He was, yeah, I think he was the right back, best right back in the league for a good few years, I think. That was at a time when right backs were at a premium as well. Like, yeah, good, yeah, there wasn't too good. many really, really good ones, were there? Yeah. I do remember finding it hilarious saying that he should name his son Les and proper cracking up as people are okay. I'm, actually laughing. I'm actually laughing to myself now. Just <laughs> for fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> Les son, yes. Um, so Lucas Fabianski is the next one, signed from uh, Legia Warsaw, 4.35 million. My take on him here is a miss, and that isn't the consensus. I think a lot of the people that give him as a hit here are remembering what he's gone on to be since leaving Arsenal, which has gone a long way because for West Ham, he's looked a very solid keeper. In fact, in games played against us, he's been great every time. I it's think sentimentally, kind of... it helps that his last season, he um, won an FA Cup and he had the cup run the whole way through and um, he dominated a penalty shootout against uh, Wigan, the mighty Wigan side in uh, the semi-final. I think I don't think he conceded a penalty that game. So I think that goes a long way towards it. But for his overall, this was a time when Wojciech Szczesny, Fabianski and Vito Manone were the three keepers. And it was essentially a choice of which one of these is going to drop the ball into the net today. <laughs> you would not have imagined Szczesny to go on to be what he is. So... I don't know what the coaches were doing at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel that that is, you've got to look at the coach in there because Richenzi going off to Juventus and thought you said Fabianski looking fairly solid. Why were they so bad when they played well, for you? Fabianski told a story. He went on Polish TV and he was doing an interview with um, Szczesny and they were talking there about what it was like um, while they were all competing for the goalkeeping place at Arsenal. And he said that he remembers going in. I can't remember the goalkeeping coach's name. So that's that's the only thing I can't remember the story here. But essentially, this goalkeeping coach has brought them in the one morning and he sat them down in their like a uh, film room of where they go over everything. And they're just playing a montage of every mistake the three of them have made. <laughs> and they're looking at each other like, what's going on here? And they're all just having to sit awkwardly while they're watching their dropped drops uh, crosses that have come in them spilling it into the net one of them fumbling it against like the likes of Southampton and that kind of thing and so they were really looking around like is there a point to this and they said they were given no explanation it was just right well there you go you've seen that so off you go great level <laughs> coaching there bloody hell like they're trying to do some like shock value stuff <laughs> and it just made them worse yeah <laughs> the other one, the, the other um, signing was Lasana Diara. We signed from Chelsea for 2.9 million. Plus, he yeah. had a run where he was moving around the clubs and each one was convinced he was going to be a wonder kid each time. Yeah, he's played for so many big clubs and just yeah, been Arsenal, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Portsmouth. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just been completely forgettable at all clubs. Yeah, 86% of people here gave him as a miss. 
the fourteen percent, I think, are still convinced that one day he's going to fulfil that potential. <laughs> so, the consensus answer here was for a six out of ten for this window. Seven out of ten was the second place dancer, only one percent back. And I guess that's of the four signings. People are saying Eduardo was a hit, Sanya was a hit, Fabianski was a hit, and Diara was a miss. So that's the way it's being judged to get that result. But make of that what you will. Going into 2008-2009, so this is the first real big Arsenal signing I can remember. Obviously, at Euro 2008, Arsenal bring in Andre Arshavin on deadline day from Zenit St. Petersburg. You get the full package here. You've got some like Russian storms that meant he maybe wasn't going to be able to get across on deadline day to sign the contract and have a medical. You had people outside the Emirates, which they ruin it now by getting the reporters inside the Emirates so they can't gather around him and jump on top of him and all sorts. <laughs> You've got us breaking um, our uh, record, record fee here, which, while they were all smaller, was an exciting thing, rather than people going mental every time someone breaks their record fee. Because if United or Chelsea do that these days, everyone loses their head. <laughs> yeah. Saying what a disgrace it is. So this really had it all, and just from the way that he was during the Euros, it was kind of built up that there was going to be, be a bidding war for him. 16.5 million was a decent fee at the time, although maybe not what Zenit thought they were going to get. It was the game against Holland that went to extra time where he really did run the show that game and goes on to get them through to the next round. I always remember him like as, as he was, like that Liverpool four-goal game. Um, Another one, if we are. Yeah. Just well, can't you be ha- like that now? It's just an absolutely bonkers game. Like, we used to tune in, and it always used to be mental Arsenal versus Liverpool. Always. They're always good value. I think yeah, he does some great we'll, games. We'll say about with some of the players that we'll get onto, but for all of Arsenal's faults during this time, they were a team who I can imagine, whether you supported us or not, you were almost guaranteed a good game when you sat in to watch us on. So whether it's a Saturday evening, Saturday lunchtime, whatever. And I, I don't know about any of you, so we haven't won a trophy for four years at this point. The last trophy was 2005. So we're good enough that we're getting in the top four. We're not good enough that we're not winning league titles. Did, did you have a sense of dislike towards us, watching us at this stage? or Because no. sometimes you see Man City where none of us, maybe more so now, had a real dislike towards them. So on the games where they would put five, six past people, you could kind of appreciate what they were doing. I don't know if you felt that with Arsenal or if it would be like if United put four or five past people where I wanted to turn it off because I just don't want to see this. Uh, I mean, obviously as a Chelsea fan, that kind of hatred was always there. Um, from like early on when you used to batter us all the time. And then around that period, I used to enjoy playing you because we had Drogba and we'd always win. That was the period where we won. We, we hadn't lost to you for about eight seasons or seven seasons or something silly at home or something like that, a stat that I saw. And then 
you kind of when Wenger got in Conte's head, then it all went to shit. Now you beat us quite regularly. We've beat you several times across these couple of years. I've already just discussed. I, I think it was mainly kind of at Stamford Bridge. We were like unbeaten you know against Arsenal, Stamford Bridge for like seven seasons, you. something like that. Don't forget Fear. Don't forget Fear. He's probably it's a shame for him that he was a he was just before this. Is this you rustling, Jack? No, it's TK. We're talking about at... some Arsenal glory years here, and uh... no, I'm I'm literally holding mine out, so it cannot be wrestling. I was the point I was getting at was with Arsenal here. There were some defensive frailties, but this was proper Arsenal in that the football that was being played was the Arsenal way, as cringe as it is when people say that these days. No, I agree, and I think again, it was one of those you can kind of appreciate what you do. I just hated seeing it because of being a Chelsea fan. It was around the years as well, like I said, of you could be pushing for the title and then everyone would get injured and the wheels would fall off. So it's kind of, we always wanted you to lose. Like whenever I've just grown up as a kid, whenever I found out that either United, Arsenal or Liverpool have lost, I will make sure I watch match of the day, huh. even, even if we've lost. What? So I was, was going to say, are Shavin, to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is one of them in the same bracket that I put Riziki in and, and Kazola in that you can, at his best, just enjoy him playing football. He's got that big smiling face. He's got that, that red face, that weird oh, like little oh. Russian haircut. He's he's a proper like small bloke, so it kind of adds a bit more to it when he's donning up like six foot seven Yaya and whoever <laughs> else he's doing it to. So he just seemed like someone who, for me personally, would be one of the Arsenal players I've enjoyed watching the most. Yeah, I'd say he's definitely a hit, without a question of a doubt. He was just exciting to watch. The goal against Barcelona, um, one of the most I've ever celebrated a goal. Um, The four against Liverpool, obviously. Um, I think Ben Ayun scored two in that game, which shouldn't be overlooked. Um, Everything about him, he lived up to the hype until he didn't. When he went downhill... And this, this is, is why this on. is where I'm in a bit of doubt is when it did go wrong, <laughs> it went really, really wrong with him. He was dreadful. Yeah, I think every time no, like, he work rate or anything to make up for it. It wasn't like, oh well, at least he's putting a shift in. He was terrible for that. Yeah, every time he was mentioned for a period of time, I would say, Look, I'll walk him to wherever he needs to go. I'll I'll take my driving test just to get him there. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, when he was, was bad, he was very he put on so much weight, he was mental. When you yeah. see low work rates, there's low work rates, and then there was this. Yeah, walking, wasn't there? That was my thing. I was I couldn't remember in my mind how long sort of the, the honeymoon period was with him and how quickly it went wrong. In it my mind, he kind of was, had sort of like 18 months of being yeah, good. Yeah, I was going to say then, two seasons, which probably weighs up with what you've said there. Yeah. It? Yeah, I, I think he was enough of a hit. Again, I guess though the only other thing being off the back of that year is there was this idea that he was going to be sort of like a leading sort of midfielder in the world. Yeah, he was, he was a little bit Madrid. Yeah, for a while it was kind of assumed that how much are Madrid going to pay for him? Yeah, and I think I guess there was um, I guess people kind of put the brakes on. He was what twenty eight by the time the year two thousand eight came about, I think. So I guess maybe people thought, why is he only just sort of shining? Like, maybe that was the only reason why there wasn't think- more of a war for him. I think this is one of those players who um, you maybe got the best out of him because he was playing under Arsene Wenger and you also maybe got the worst out of him because he was playing for Arsene Wenger as well because 
probably so. I don't think Wenger is someone that's going to say to him, look, your fitness isn't there. You're overweight. So he's You're not about. doing what I want you to. He probably was getting a, look, a pat on the back saying, look, I know what you can do. You need to go out there and do it for me. This and that. Because I remember in the later years, he actually set up Henri's last goal at Arsenal. So there is that. And it ties into what I'm about to say because his crossing seemed to improve. And it wasn't because he'd worked on it. The thing was, he no longer wanted to run with the ball. <laughs> so he would essentially be hugging the touchline and he would just do like the, the, the cross in which Pepe set up Aubameyang for the first goal in uh, against Man City. It's kind of like the one in which he set up Henri for his final goal. In that it's essentially he took the ball on the touchline and rather than run at the attacker, he's just stopped it dead and whipped it in, probably because he doesn't have the legs in to go with the defender. So it's kind of like looked about of like a seasoned pro in Sunday league football where he's hung over and he's just thought, fuck <laughs> it, put it in the mixer. I think we're going to talk about United next week, but in the way that Berbatov, and we spoke about Berbatov countless times on air, I shouldn't like him. I mean, he's played for Spurs and he's played for United, but the way he plays is right. If you can master that thing of looking like you're not trying, but still obviously showing the class, then there are a few things cooler in football. I think, yeah, I there's that. Ibrahimovic down because he is trying to look like he's not trying, whereas Bermatov yeah, quite yeah, literally yeah. was like, look, if I have to put this in the back of the net, oh well, but if, <laughs> only if you're going to make me do it. And Arshavin did make the game look effortless like that at times. He wasn't not putting a shift in at the start, but it was just it wasn't nature. stuff that you could be taught. It was just, this was just the way you play football, get your head down. Yeah. And he was brilliant. But yeah, once he was bad, I've I've seen a few drop-offs like it. No, I was I was going to say, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one that, that sort of dramatic, really. Mm-hmm. I think he's one where he's, he's, a, he's a hit for myself. He's a hit for 82% of people that did this. And I think it is because when you've perhaps got the highlight reel that he has, everything else kind of just gets pushed to one side. Like we said with Ziki, he should really be a miss because of the amount of time he spent on the sidelines picking up a paycheck. But then you look at his highlight reel and it's like, how can I mark you down when you've done this in a few times that you have turned it on? Mm. So that probably is what goes in our Shavin's favour there. And the fact that as much as I said it was a case of wanting to get rid of him, I don't remember it being a, uh, a drawn-out saga of, is our going to go, isn't he? He just kind of... Declined him when... Eased out, he was eased out the door. There was no real fuss about it. And it was, oh, what a great player we had for two years. Now yeah. we'll move on. The next one had a similar ending in that it didn't end well, but for different reasons. And that's uh, £16 million from Marseille, Samir Nasri brilliant players almost like the same kind of mold as Arshavin small tricky with the ball could score a goal and he was what you would consider a danger man for you at that time in, when he came in the post invincible era Nasri is a top three player for me that I've ever got to watch at Arsenal hmm. that I top think, three would be Fabregas Nasri and Alexis Sanchez he was yeah. brilliant yeah I think because of 
you know, his well, because of himself, but also the way he's he left Arsenal, the way he's handled his career. I don't think he gets remembered well enough in terms of how good he was. He was unbelievable. One of <laughs> one of my favourite. Sorry, Jar, keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I was just going to say the goal that kind of sticks in my mind. I don't want to steal your thunder because I don't want your point to be the same as mine. But he dribbles around like four players, and you think the chance is gone. He just belts it near post against like, uh, Porto. That was yeah, one of my favourite Champions League goals ever. Just sticks in my mind because you think what you've wasted it, and you think, hang on a minute, I've got to stand up and applaud this. It's he was just so tricky with the ball, and he was so. Nicholas annoying. Bentner also got a hat trick in that game, and Dubuay scored as well. <laughs> he was one of those players that you hated scoring against you because he just looked so contemptuous yeah. when he scored. He, he looked like you wanted to twat him. He single-handedly brought in the snood. Yeah, <laughs> he's. The, the game he really announced himself was against United at the Emirates. 12, it's a 12 o'clock kickoff. And um, it was one of them goals that pop up every now and then where they say like Wenger ball or whatever. And I think there was like 30-something passes and it ends with Fabregas playing a through ball to Nasri and he just thumps it and it has the bend where it's kind of like the up and down bend. And it goes right down into past Van der Sar, absolutely smashes past him and he scored another in that game as well that um, Raphael twin scores a, scores one late to make it 2-1 so it doesn't quite have the gloss to it but it was one of them for Arsenal where you loved every second of it I've told the story on the podcast before two kids we went to school with turned up at my house I was watching it with my dad's the game and they were asking for me to come out or whatever and then my mum offered to bring them round to my dad's and I said no <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching the Arsenal game. I really don't. I can't be dealing with that. You gotta like so, drink it in. You got. My mum said I was horrible for that because they'd walked from Hucklecoats. They probably walked 15, 20 minutes to mine. But don't turn up at my house when Arsenal United's on. <laughs> and then try and interrupt me after, especially if we're winning for a change. Because that that was huge. My dad and my brother are United fans as well, so I got even more out of it. <laughs> Proper player Nasri was he he is some way is a shame the way it ended and I guess he won a Premier League with um, City do not so you can't really criticise it in the end it's just there's there's ways to go about it and don't uh, Sanya went to City also Clichy went to City also just don't do the interviews that they're clearly trying to do to get you to talk down on the club that really has made you a star because he could have gone to City he could have gone to City and if he'd just been respectful I think people would have still appreciated the player he is there's a lot of bitterness around the Nazari transfer that it isn't with most of the other ones Frimpong made a career out of trashing Nazari's name yeah 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 true he he had that thing he set up a hologram in his car of him gripping up Nazari on the throat after a Carlin Cup game (laughs) yeah yeah and it was like, yeah, right, we we get it. You're, you're an Arsenal, you're an Arsenal fan as well as an Arsenal <laughs> player. It's not making you technically any better. So I think, he, yeah, he, he was a proper player. You're gonna have those players as well around this time period, like you said, where everyone went to City, and then we're getting into the era where Van Persie leaves. What what year are we in? We are in 0809, so oh, we still have a couple more years of Van Persie. Yeah, some of the treatment table at this stage. Yeah. yeah, so this is the kind of era that we're getting into of 
players leaving to go to City. And it was this this like, is actually my um, like my favourite Arsenal team to watch, I think. I always have to say after the Invincibles because they were a joke, but yeah. in the time after that, I think this is my favourite team to watch. Just the way they played football, the way they attacked, it was kind of like, we're decent enough at defending, but we're ten times better than you at attacking, so they made no yeah. qualms about the fact they played that, and it was kind of Wenger's play at his finest. Yeah, Bringing in the players like Arshavi, Arshavi not so much, but players like Nasri and Adebayor and that where they have no real notoriety beforehand and they come in and they kind of set the league alight. Adebayor is already in at this point. I do always think I need to point out because the fact he hung around so long, people do forget what a killer he was. That one season he had for Arsenal where he banged in like 28 in 30. He'd always have those seasons just before, his, just before his contract was up. He's the same at he, every club. He had, um, I think he, he had two goal of the season contenders in the same game against Spurs as well. Yeah, yeah. So he he was a joke. I mean, this this is a hell of a window here because next up you've got Aaron Ramsey comes from Cardiff for six million pounds. All the talk is that he's going to go to United. United actually announced him on their official website only and then having to take it down because he'd chosen to go to Arsenal. But yeah. He I then Yeah, he then does an interview and he says, Look, I chose Arsenal the way they deal with young players. I saw a path through to the first team. I didn't see that I was going to get that at other places where it's like he's obviously talking about United. <laughs> and then I believe his first game is against United, he actually scores the winner in a in a one nil victory. I feel like he'll always be known as for the Ramsey curse, just killing he, celebrities. <laughs> he he's one where a proper roller coaster. We hear about it's a roller coaster, and it's like you have one or two bad things. He really did have a roller coaster of a career at Arsenal because every time things went perfectly, he would get injured or something, and he would come back horrible. Mm. Yes, I do you remember him that spell where he was just getting slated every game. He he was he wasn't. I was I was one of them. The the most notable one was Piers Morgan. Obviously, he was every week when Ramsey was in the starting lineup, he'd be tweeting, "Why is Aaron Ramsey in this team? Why is yeah, this? Yeah. Why is that?" Um, I think the the first time he actually got Arsenal fans on side after that was Piers Morgan tweeted about how rude it was that he bumped into Aaron Ramsey and Ramsey refused to shake his hand, saying, "Why would I shake your hand?" Kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Makes. Uh, I don't see the issue there. If if if, if I talk shit about someone all day, I'm not going to go up and try and shake their hand afterwards and say, "Well, you know, you're an Arsenal player." Kind of that's kind of how it is. Mm. So he was really bad, and then I think it's 2012-13 where he's hit his his early twenties. He has the season of a lifetime, where I think he hit nearly 20 goals. He was being compared to Lampard because of his goal scoring his late runs into the box he he had about six goal of the season contenders himself in that one year he scored a peach against Liverpool because I remember TK was coming over mine after and I was like I'm not even going to really gloat about that There's, it was just ridiculous <laughs> one of them where it seems to set up perfectly and I think he just kind of on the half volley almost like a lob but not really a lob right into the top bins over the keeper that season he was insane and that kind of set the benchmark for what he was capable of 
and he never had a season like that again, obviously. But from there onwards, he was a very good box-to-box midfielder, which I, who I still don't really think gets the credit that he probably has earned. I think it was shown just before he left as well. That's yeah, probably, definitely. He showed what he could bring to that Arsenal team. And by the time that he was going to leave, everyone was gutted that he was leaving. We'd have got top four last season if, one, Emery hadn't tried to freeze him out, which kind of understood it for the fact that if you know he's going to be leaving, then kind of get with working. But the difference when he was on the field and when he wasn't, and then in the Europa League semi-final, he got injured and that wrote off his season. And then I don't think we, I think we won one more league game after that. So his career, he scored at Wembley almost every time we played there. He got two FA Cup winners. He was there through the time of Wenger. I think it helps his case that he kind of came back and I, I think their stories are very different, but it almost adds to Jordan Henderson's kind of way he's perceived because things didn't start off well. He turned it around, he stuck it out and he was determined to prove people wrong. I think Ramsey obviously had a horrible injury against Stoke, which is where his downturn of form came. But I think they're similar in that case that they do get more respect for the fact that they did stick it out and turn it around and then have gone on and people start to appreciate them afterwards. Yeah, I was thinking parallels between the two of them with mainly that sort of um, that Twitter world where they were both getting hounded pretty regularly and having been able to turn it around to the point where they're one of your best players. What well, I know United fans cling to telling us, well, this player said this about them, so that proves obviously they are very good. That player, I mean, you only have to mention skulls and suddenly you <laughs> get... Zidane's grandma said that he made the best <laughs> eggs on toast she's ever had. <laughs> and Ramsey, the midfielders that have spoken about him, Zidane being one of them, Perlo being one of them, he gets he got the appreciation when it was too late because by the time he was getting that appreciation, he had a year left on his deal and it was, well, then I may as well <laughs> go elsewhere. I'm off the, yeah, See, yeah. I can't blame him for not wanting to stay in Zaruna Emery either. I haven't followed his no. career at Juventus that closely. How's he been doing it over there? Does anyone know? The fans hate him <laughs> for really? the most part. Yeah, he's one of them where he's an Italian, obviously. Yeah. He's not a glamorous player. No. His 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 record there is decent for his position and the role that he's played, but it's kind of the people that I don't know how to say it's about it sounding pretentious, but the people that kind of the Juve fans that have the accounts where they're breaking down the team, this is the way they play, this, that, do have mm-hmm. an appreciation for Ramsey because you don't really get Dybala being able to do what he does without having Ramsey in there doing the box-to-box business. Ronaldo yeah. can't say enough good things about him, which says a lot. And I don't think he said anything great since Ramsey tapped in his one that was going to go in maybe, so... <laughs> that could have been what settled it for him but other than that I don't think he's been bad he's just when you're paying someone what nearly 500 grand a week they probably are expecting a goal every week over there is that how much they're paying him? Four, 430 I think it is Jesus Christ yeah you, they, they, they lick their lips at a free transfer don't they they, they just want those tweets that say Juventus signed these couple of players for the same price that United signed Fred for. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what they're striving. They want them retweets. <laughs> but I think if you look at Juve's midfield, he's he's better than probably most of the players that we started over in the likes of Rabio and Emre Chan's gone now, but that kind of level. And I think yeah. he as a box to box player, he's as good as there is in the world. He's a dying you, breed. Really, you don't really get there anymore, do you? You kind of yeah. you get now and you're kind of told you're a defensive midfielder, you're an attacking midfielder. <laughs> And that's it. You're definitely right. There aren't... I can't think of many box-to-box midfielders anymore. Would you say that Wijnaldum is one, TK? Or would you say that he's more deep-lying? To be honest, yeah, I think him and Hendo both kind of operate in that in that sense, but neither of them are huge, obviously, goal-getting midfielders. So, as much as we say box-to-box, yeah. they ain't breaking into scoring goals like a, a Lampard or a Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey really was. That... They always say, don't they? You you can't teach that kind of instinct of when to get in the box. But he he was elite at that. You wouldn't yeah. see him, and then suddenly he he he'd be there at the back stick or whatever you needed. So this same window, then I think the the one thing that brings it down. I remember around this time when you discovered that you could change your homepage on Google, and you've gone through your Ask Jeeves and your Yahoo and everything. I remember I had the Arsenal homepage as my homepage. <laughs> logging on one day and seeing Mikel Sylvester signed for Arsenal. <laughs> I don't know how I'd compare it to how you must have felt TK signing Koncheski. <laughs> I suppose I the Koncheski one was a bit later. Yeah. So Sylvester really was like out of nowhere. And this That's probably kickstarts what Jack says where other teams say, right, well, we're, we'll, we'll dump these players off on you since we don't yeah. fancy them anymore. So, I mean, Arsenal are trying to go for a defensive overhaul at this stage. I can't see how they ever thought this was the answer. <laughs> no. Like, he was a um, decent player for a bit for United, but he was well past it by this stage. Right. Fits the mould, that not it? French. That was the, <laughs> that, that was the mould that was set. There are a lot of players, though, that we deem terrible because of the level of player they were playing around. Like, Philip Senderos is one who gets absolutely caned. And then you look at some of the games he played in and you look at some of the teams he played in, and it's like, he probably would be in the upper echelons of the league today when you look at some of the centre-backs we have around. It just so happens that the players they played with, so... That goes against him. Sylvester for Arsenal was as bad as it gets, even in like the <laughs> even in like your league cup sides. <laughs> and we said about the difference about if you have Van Dijk alongside Lovren, it's different to having Lovren alongside Matip or Sacco. We didn't have a Van Dijk alongside Sylvester either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was yeah, that. He was well past it by then. Jesus. Yeah, I think that for that window, um, seven and eight out of ten was equally picked, which is understandable when you look at, oh, you have three successes out of four there. So, on to 2009, 2010, realised that it's been an hour so far and we've done 16 transfers. So, Thomas Vermaelen from Ajax, £12 million. Pounds. I, I perceive him as a hit. He's another one who when it went bad it really did go bad and it went bad once he was given the captain's armband I don't know what happened to him but he he fell off big time he announced himself obviously he came in 
against Everton, I think scored a free kick, I'm going to say, in his first game, or at least scored a rocket to the goal. And then for a while, he was one of the better centre-backs in the league. He had, the, yeah. he had that smaller build, but he, w- he was aggressive enough that it worked because look, if, if you're not going to win the header, jump in, stand still, go and attack the ball, and that's what he did. Physically, he was very strong, and for a while, he was one of the rare ball-playing midfielders, which you didn't get in the league at that stage. But obviously, as I said, when it went bad, it went bad. There was a game against um, Bradford in the League Cup where he had a stinker that game and he went to penalties and he missed the penalty to, for us to go out to them. And that's where I think it all kind of ended for him. And then he signed up at Barcelona. So there you go. That's Barca for you. Yeah. He's a definite hit. I said to Sam when we went and I was saying that I like the idea with Barcelona say that like they're that good they have a laugh where they're like can we still win with putting someone like this in our team yeah yeah (laughs) like them signing Marcel Braithwaite it's like can we still try and win the league and have a good title challenge with Braithwaite up top and they're just cracking up in the boardroom like this is class (laughs) this is because I've done it on Football Manager where you sign like a 38 year old on a cheap deal and then you put them on your league cup games Mario Gomez has done that with for years (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I think Vermaelen's got to be a hit. I think he was, yeah. like you said, one, so. one of the best centre-backs in the league for a bit. So he's yeah. got to be. Sol yeah. Campbell on a free transfer was the comeback after that. I forgot that he came back. He yeah, did an alright job, didn't he? Yeah, you'll remember him. He had, We had a um, blue away shirt with pinstripes. We had, uh, I think Nike had a pinstripe thing for a while because... He had that. We had a white kit with almost like maroon pinstripes that he wore there as well. So they're the two kind of memories I have. He made a mistake against Porto in the Champions League. I think Fabianski was in goal and there was a mix-up and Varela tucked it in from a free kick, I think. And then second leg, he played again and then he had a very good game. So he didn't seem like his legs had gone at all. So he took a little bit of a break away from football, came back and went swimmingly. If I'm not mistaken, he came from where he was weirdly appointed like director of football in Notts County. He was, was still Sven? playing. Sven was, mani- Sven was manager. They just had a takeover. Sven was manager. He was brought in as centre-half, whatever. I think he had two or three games and left. Yeah, so then he had a break and then came back to us on a free transfer. It was such a weird time period, wasn't it? It all, <laughs> all unravelled that it was a complete farce. Because um, Cashbish Michael was goalie as well. Yeah. Because they played we, at Wadden Road. We said before, haven't we, that Chelsea's success did create the impression that if you had money, you literally could just go out and buy your way. And, the, and the thing with Notts County was the, we'll take them from League 2 to the Prem, yeah. sort of thing, the thing that everyone says, you know, football manager style, which... They find out in real life is a lot, lot different. Yeah, it's like on tri- like when you played FIFA and you just got bored of the manager mode before the days of online, and you just like put all the best players in the world. In. Like I remember doing it for Shrewsbury Town, had <laughs> like Rooney, Messi, and Ronaldo up top, and that's what they tried to do in Notts County. It just well, didn't. Around work. this time, you've had Chelsea obviously do it, then City try and do it, eventually pays off. You then have. QPR, 
Notts County. Um, that's another one I can't think of, but you get the point. People thought it was easy. It wasn't. It worked out because Sol Campbell came back to us briefly. I think he may have, within that comeback, had that never-ending slide tackle. Was that was that for Arsenal? That was Arsenal he, had, he had one against Spurs, which I think he played in the game in which Danny Rose scored the Danny Rose goal. Yeah. He was at the back there. So that was around that time. If we go into 2010-2011, first signing, Lauren Koscielny from Lorient. So we had Lauren from Lorient. We had Arsene in charge of Arsenal. <laughs> Everything was matching up nicely. 12.5 million. And we go on to get just another 10 years service out of him. So I think he was he was a great signing. Yeah, definite hit. Yeah. Very good. Had a very, very ropey start. And after that, it was... His injuries towards the end weren't great, but up until that point, he was as fit as a fiddle. He had a bad injury, and then Emery rushed him back, and then it was one after the other. Yeah, his legs were completely gone as well towards the end. Jesus. He took a battering as well. Half his goals, if you watch him back, he's on the floor when everyone else is celebrating. (laughs) He got a goal in the FA Cup final against um, Hull. He got a goal to seal fourth place against uh, Newcastle on the final day, twice. Yeah, one against West Brom, where he's just in a heap on the floor every single time. (laughs) He was great. Him and, I mean, some of the centre-backs we'll get on to. We had a good thing going there for a while. Him being the quick, agile one, and you would put someone alongside him that didn't quite have the same range of movement, but was probably a better defender outright. And it was a charm. Back he in was the glory with Barcelona days for years and years and years. I mean, our defence has been laughed at for years and we've had as many golden gloves as Chelsea, United, City over the years. It's just that when it's been bad, then we've conceded about eight at a time. Yeah. <laughs> in contrast, Sebastian Squilacci was the next signing for six and a half million from Sevilla. Looked like Count Dracula's the first thing to say. After that, horrible defender. Really, the first really time bad. you saw him, it was like, crikey. Yeah, terrible. Because we had games with him and Sylvester starting together. Christ. Yeah, He's, no. I think, as bad as it gets. Yeah, we said it about quite a few in Liverpool, actually, last week, but um, <laughs> never never saw anything no. that you thought might justify the buying him. You then had Marouane Schemack comes in from Bordeaux on a free <laughs> transfer. We're told, we're sold on him with YouTube clips. Like, oh, he's this poacher, he's got a great header of the ball, got a sweet left foot. And he actually starts out very well. Yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. scores something like 10 in his first 16 or something like that. I, I went to one of the first games um, of Villa away and he scored a nice little place to finish in there. Wilshire also got his first goal. But yeah, he, he was as bad as he gets. His, his hair... On this survey I put out, the last question is um, who had the worst Barnet, um, Shamak Ojabinio, which is actually a very close one in the end. He had that gel the front of your hair down and then spike the rest the, of the, the top and the back up. But he was receding as well, so it was just yeah. like, oh. It was, it, like it, Gar- was pro- it was proper thin, wasn't it? Yeah. You know that, you know that Garnier wet look gel used to get in that yep. pot? You just know that he had 
like a sponsorship deal with them. The <laughs> man that he would like lather it on. He's even worse when it rains as well. It's been going in his eyes, which would have explained a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing, the only good little memory I have, he scored a, a little peach of a chip over the keeper in the game we had against Reading that finished seven five. Extra time came and he turned into a gunman for about twenty minutes. <laughs> My man, Pavel Pogrebunyak, was banging him in for Reading that day as well. Another one, so this was one who you hear the rave reviews about. Rio Miyachi signed from Chukyo HS. He was known as the, the fastest footballer in the world. You had the clips of him running from one end to the other in like seconds. And then it just so happened that the ball didn't move with him. <laughs> so maybe he should have been a sprinter. You have those players that you think are going to be great just from their speed, and then you get them and you think, I don't know. Yeah, it's we like... learned him to Bolton, and um, around the same time we learned Nabry to West Brom, actually. And he scored um, a nice goal in the FA Cup for them, and then they very quickly realised, look, he's not even good enough for us. <laughs> it's like that when Usain Bolt, when he tried to become a footballer, and everyone yeah. just thought, you know what, this could work. <laughs> and then everyone forgets for that one moment that hang on a minute, to be good at football, you have to be a good footballer, yeah. not just quick. Well, if we go well, into... He's also like 31. How was he just second to suddenly? It was always that either United or Dortmund were going to give him a go. Yeah, yeah. Into 2011-2012, the busiest deadline day Arsenal have ever had. Well, I think we got battered by... We've had the 8-2 to United, actually. We've had the 8-2 to United. And you come out of deadline day and people are thinking, is this one of them we're going to look back on and say it's the best thing that could have happened to us? We've gone out <laughs> for all these players. We'd already brought an Oxlade Chamberlain from Southampton, 13.8 million. He's being called the new Walcott at this point because he's come indeed. from Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> and so he has that. Oxlade Chamberlain... You've got to give him a hit, haven't you? Yeah. yeah I, I think, think I brought him for 13 million. We sold him for over 40. And he had some good, some good moments in his time there, yeah. As we said last week, we kind of covered him, didn't we? Instead, look, both Arsenal and Liverpool have left that thinking they got a good deal. Yeah. I liked, and like we said about Nasri, he's always been very respectful afterwards. And that seems like you're being like a like a girl there saying about the way they left and things like that but it does hold a bearing on how they regarded though you're right yeah well the first question he was asked after winning the champions league was is this a slap in the face to arsenal they let you go and obviously you've gone on to do this (laughs) and he he said on there he was like at no point when i've won anything with liverpool have i thought that shows arsenal this teaches arsenal he said i left arsenal because I wasn't going to have the opportunities to play in the position I wanted to play in. This is simple as that. So, yeah. As I said, he, he had one of the best midfield games we've ever seen in an FA Cup game, but unfortunately, his enthusiasm was never questioned, but the end product often was. And with us, maybe the, the coaching was different because Wenger very much, I think, saw him as a winger who could be used as a midfielder. Klopp sees him as a midfielder that can be used as a winger. Yeah, that suited him a lot better. Yeah. I think, like as an engine, like energy in the centre of the park, he's still got it and he's still quick. Yeah, c- could never put- knock anything. And there was times in some of these games where we would lose, and you would look at some players, 
And someone like Ertz was unfortunate because even sometimes when he's racking up the yards, other people are, he doesn't have the look of someone that's put no. a shift in. No. I remember Oxley Chamberlain and he got praised for it, which is weird. But we played Aston Villa, I think, in the FA Cup and we lost the ball on the break and he ran. He was the only one and he ran from losing the ball at one end all the way to the other end of the pitch. And he ended up scoring an own goal with the ball coming back in off him. He was the only Arsenal player that had run the distance to get back and try and make a difference. He's one of them where it's kind of been crossed in, it's come off the back of his leg or something like that. Horrible. Yeah, but he was you you could never fault him for that. The issue was just we needed something for him that he couldn't provide and he didn't want to stick around to see that if we could if we could provide that for him in the future. Yeah. I think he may have just needed a change as well. I think by that yeah. point I think things have gone a bit stale in a similar amount to how Walker obviously had. Yeah. I think it probably made a difference as well to playing in a team that's in the ascendancy instead of well, we playing in a team that was in a decline. In a Liverpool team, there are players there that can make up for what he he's lacking. And yeah. he can have a Henderson or a Fabinho. He can have Henderson alongside Fabinho behind him. With us, he was having, like, say, Granit Xhaka alongside him, who I'll get on to him because I flip-flop there, but his skill set doesn't match up with Walcott's skill set and a lot of the other midfielders who we have, it, it just didn't work. We either seem to have two midfielders who were the Walcott, uh, who were the Oxlade type, or we had two that would sit back in and didn't want to push forward. So mm. we never really found that balance. Someone else who there's no debating with Javinio, um, twelve million pounds from Lille. He was one we signed slightly earlier in the window as well. But yeah, absolutely horrendous player. And he was annoying <laughs> because he 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 does have some ability there. Yeah, yeah. He, his his brain was what over overrode it. He, I always go back to the quite... goal he scored against Chelsea. There was a goal that it was played behind him, and he stopped it dead, swiveled on the ball, and he put it top bins. And it was like when he had to finish instinctually, he wasn't bad. It was just when he had any time to think about it, his brain had like something that would always purposely pick the worst move. <laughs> And I think he was like the start of the meme as well, where he just had like a pumpkin head. And <laughs> he would have the kind of his, his hair kind of with that thin bit of twine around his head to keep it in place. And then when it became dislodged, you realised his hairline was like on the back of his head. Well, the, the Bradford game that I mentioned with the Marlin, um, Javinho missed from on the line, similar to what you saw from Sterling in the Champions League this week. He had one very similar to that. Yeah, it was against Bradford. So the stakes weren't quite as high, but he was probably fortunate. It wasn't on TV. Yeah, the stakes probably weren't as high. I don't think the thing about his high. hair, everyone said that his hair was an awful like choice of style. And so you saw it without that style. And it was like, yeah, this is the only thing you can do here that's even helping somewhat. So you just say he that was off. damned if he did and he was damned if he didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't see his head. I'm trying to Google him now because he must be bold at this point. There's some awful pictures of him, so I do feel bad on the bloke. You've then got £12 million on deadline day. Mikel Arteta comes in from Everton. 28 years old, I think he was at the time, so he's definitely the end of his career. Um, Well, in his latter years, sorry. So we weren't getting him 
like we were going to get 10 years out of him or whatever. He goes on to be a hit, I think, towards the end when his legs went. It was, it was a rough watch. But his technical ability, and Jack said it about Casillas last week, um, and that kind of era of players that were Spanish, but were never getting a look in because they were playing with him as their competition. Yeah. He was a very good player in his competition with Xavi and Iniesta. And even <laughs> that, even behind that, you had Marcos Senna and Busquets. And so he was he was completely screwed there and Fabregas and all of those. There's that age-old question of, can he play for England? Yeah. <laughs> we were like, can he? Can we have someone called Mikel Arteta play for England? Can he be... <laughs> Could we win the World Cup with Mikel Arteta? Well, I think it was always looked on more favourably after Armunia floated the question. Yeah, if we're, we're going to get thought, it, we may as well yeah. get Arteta. <laughs> the, the reaction to that was strange because we're happy for it in every other sport, but in football it was deemed too far. I, I said at the time, that I said, if he was just slightly better, this pretend moral outrage would be out the window. Yeah, that that For true. whatever reason, we had a Xavi Ornieste that wasn't capped. We'd be going... We wouldn't be asking if it was ethical or moral. We'd be like, well, yes, every time there's always players. like, is there a way we could get Bale to play for England? Is there a way we could get Andy Robertson to play for England? <laughs> so, yeah, as you said, TK, the, the moral outrage just happened that he, he wasn't standout brilliant. He, 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 he did his job very well. He, he was technical enough to be that man in our midfield, but he also was defensively capable enough and had a bit of everything that he wasn't a weak link in there. He scored some great goals, some great free kicks. He's got a bearing against Man City in what we thought would cost them the league and then United bottled it. Nah. He scored a picture of free kick against Southampton, I believe, which is the one on his highlight reel. He, he was just a player who was remembered fondly and obviously now that's gone up. It did surprise me years. somewhat that he was remembered fondly as well, just because I do remember, that, as you said, when his sort of legs went, he was a real liability. And I do remember yeah. seeing a lot of Arsenal fans at the time saying, why is he still playing? And yeah, he probably the, got out just in time, in fairness. He did, they didn't drag it on too long. Yeah, the issue was really that was he was playing alongside Flamini as well, who we'll get on to. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great all round. No. But um, I, I give him a hit, but I've, I've always thought the memory of him as an Arsenal player is, maybe doesn't quite add up to what I thought of him as an Arsenal player. But Probably would be different if he was if he was your your player kind of thing. Like there's some players who yeah yeah absolutely. I, I thought from the outside looking in, I probably looked at his time at Everton and thought there was a better player there than what I remember at Arsenal. But then you've also got a slightly different standard to hit when you're playing for Arsenal, yeah. haven't you? So it's a tricky one. He's no Albert Riera. <laughs> per Mertesacker, a hundred percent of people gave him as a hit on the survey and he he's one who I don't know how other fans perceive him but he was considered a joke for the majority of his career while you then kind of stopped another look he was a very good defender just just looked weird doing it I think as you touched on with Koscielny earlier as long as you could have someone with legs next to him them two as a partnership okay. was unreal it was good yeah they were good they had two um, golden gloves between them and one of them were Petr Cech <laughs> Um, and he did have the chant BFG, uh, big fucking German. So there you go. Great. Andre Santos, one percent has marked him as a hit. I remember the best thing I've heard about Andre Santos is when Jack Wilde tweeted out 
he runs like he's got dildos for legs or something like that. So no, he <laughs> runs as if he's Oscar Pistorius, but if you take away his blades and give him dildos or something like that. Right. Like, and one of the most, one of the most memorable moments as well when he swapped his shirt at half time yeah, against Van Man United with Van Persie. Oh, God. He, like, he also um, got done for speeding and the Arsenal fans were chanting uh, he drives how he wants after the Van Persie one of his scores when he wants that's better than the Alonso one he did score a peach <laughs> against uh, Chelsea though they always seem to at Stamford Bridge in the game when uh, RVP got a hat-trick you've oh, also got game. yeah on this deadline day Park Chu Young we signed for six and a half million from Monaco Scored one goal for us. I was there in the League Cup against Bolton. Fabrice Mwamba was there as well. Um, but yeah, he was a dreadful player as well. Yeah, you did go through a period of just getting dross. God knows how Andre Santos... He played for Brazil, didn't he, at one point? I'm not yeah. saying much, but one or two caps. He was dreadful. Brazilian defenders, though. I mean... Not the well, I mean, too hard for a fullback, though, He's in his position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Carl Jenkinson comes in that same window. He's actually split opinion here. We got a 65-35 split. I had a horrible feeling he might split opinion as well. <laughs> Christ. I've always thought he was better than is made out. He wasn't good, but... No, I, I would probably agree. I think he's better than some say, but still not good enough. I think he could play at Premier League level. Maybe. He, he actually, under Unai Emery, came back briefly. Didn't he make his name for scoring for Olympiacos? No, Am I thinking he... of the right Joel Campbell here? No, we're on Carl Jenkinson. <laughs> oh, Carl Jenkinson, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking Olympiacos. <laughs> Carl Jenkinson made his name as being the bloke who had a room full of Arsenal posters <laughs> and then put it out. And he scored in, I think, a 4-0 win against someone like Burnley and went absolutely mental. And he said afterwards, he was like, well, I've dreamed of scoring that goal in my garden every day for the last 20-something years. So you better believe that when I finally do get that moment, I wasn't going to waste it. He crammed is- about four celebrations into his celebration. He just went all in with it. I think, though, that's admirable. I'd do exactly the same. There's been that is nice. times where I've been sat on the motorway envisaging what it'd be like to score for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, he, just he's be- got everything. He... Um, He's got like a plaque outside the Emirates that he bought for his dad when he was there because his dad was an Arsenal fan and he, he's got all sorts. He went on loan and even came back and played a couple of games in the Europa League and the League Cup and he was like, look, I don't know how many games I'm going to have wearing this Arsenal shirt. So every time I get to pull it on, I'm going to play like it's the last time I get to play for him. So he, he was one of the... It, it helps him that he he was a lovely bloke. Hmm. We only signed him for a million as well, and that was, I think, only a tribunal fee as well because we got him um, when I think he had barely had a deal left. So I think he's a miss, but he's one where if he asks, we'll call him a hit. <laughs> Don't want to hurt his feelings. No, exactly, because honestly, he, he seems such a great, such a great bloke. Was also, think, sorry, I was just going to say, I think for a million, you can't knock him. Just the kind of Roy of the Rovers boyhood club story <laughs> alone would make him, make him a hit. Yeah, great guy. We also this, we have Joel Campbell. So <laughs> what happened with him was he couldn't get a work permit when we signed him from Saprissa. 
Did he make his then, name for scoring for Olympiacos? No, what happened was... Um, <laughs> we had the 2014 World Cup and he played for Costa Rica and yep. he, he had a very good tournament in the group stage. I think he, he scored a peach. Um, on, the, on the day we had where we had three games back-to-back ending in England-Italy, he scored for against whoever Costa Rica played that day, and it was a great goal. And then he had a good rest of the tournament. And it just so happened that Arsenal had secured a work permit at the end of that summer. So following the World Cup, he was able to come and play for us. He was decent enough. I deem him as a hit for one million. He had some good goals in the locker. He had a massive head, which didn't help him when he was running, I think, because he was looking down the old time. Like his I neck didn't one, support it or something. Yeah, I didn't want one of my shirts. <laughs> he was compared to... Um, do you remember... Ben, it's not going to be too pleasant on him here. There was a cartoon when we were younger called Butt Ugly Martians. And they just had massive heads on Cartoon Network. He looked like one of them. Council I think no, I remember that's this. Because um, the, the, the song was um, Butt Ugly Martians, Their Butts Are Blue was the tagline. And Gabriel Obertan had a head like that as well, who we'll get on to next week. Now, he did have a head that was too big. Yeah, massive. It was like the level above where you would say someone had a peanut head. Like It was like the, the level up. And he was on that level. It just so happened that when he, when he, he had a lot of stinkers to go with his kind of brief, glamorous moments. So I'm just All saying one no million pounds. I had, I had fun watching him, the Costa Rican Messi. I thought with more of a run, he could have done something. I do think he just started to hit a bit of form, it seemed to me, and then you yeah. binned him. So I think he could have been something. As a result, I've got to, I have got would have to give him a miss, but yeah. he, he could have been... I feel like we're back on the Liverpool players there. So I think he had more of a chance. We had... Uh, Thomas Eisfeld was the next one, though I meant just because every club has them where no other club seems to hear about them, but you have all the murmurs on your own social media and Twitter and that, but that this kid's special, he's the next whatever. I think he was called the next Wilshire when Wilshire was still the next Gerard. <laughs> um, he eventually made his first team debut. He scores in the League Cup against West Brom. And that was the last we really saw of him. He then went out on loan and eventually contract expired. I think he's playing in somewhere mental now, like Belarus or something like that. Same window. We still got two more. Yossi Benoyun, we bring in from Chelsea. This is the closest split we have. We, it's a 51-49 split. It's Brexit. I give this. I give him a hit. We didn't pay a loan fee. He got some important goals, one against Liverpool, actually. Um, and he scored some in securing his fourth place that year. He scored a couple of last-minute ones. He's a good little utility player to have in and around your squad. I don't see how any Arsenal fan can really say that he was a miss because he didn't do anything wrong. He's the player that just epitomises can do a job. He's not going to be... He had a flash. tour. Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, we, we've all That's had... That's a good little run, isn't it? And he's been on every one of our pods then, <laughs> covering him. <laughs> I think he's been giving a similar review every single feel, time. Yeah, I feel like with, uh, with him, each of the clubs, you know when, like, uh, maybe like a reality TV show or something like that, where you have two people at the middle of a drama 
And yet someone on the outskirts who seems to avoid any responsibility for it. Each place he's gone here, he seems to have avoided any responsibility for anything that's gone wrong. And we've already said, no, nah, he seems like a good guy. He's all right. He's okay. He's like Keith in the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eating his pork pie in the corner. Making a move on door. Pork, but sentiment's still the same. Blimey. We also bring in Thierry Henry on loan. Everyone's giving him a hit here just because of the goal against yes. Leeds, which yeah. does earn yes. that alone because the rest of the time, all respect to the King, I travelled to Bolton to watch him play and he had an absolute stinker. It was horrific. <laughs> yeah, it, as you, I'm glad you've said it because with that goal, it was a great moment, but it did also disguise he the scored, fact that he, he was done by this point. He it scored the, the one there, he scored a tap against Blackburn and he also then in the last game scores a last minute winner against Sunderland. So he's, he's got enough quality that he'll always, you know, get those sort of goals, won't he? But you could yeah. if you were to say like watch a video of him then versus say like his last season last yeah. or you'd be oh my God, what is this? I still do think it is a hit. Two la- two late winners. And it's and a risk free move really, isn't it? As yeah. Well. yeah. And the sentiment. That goal he scored against Leeds was so typically Henri as well, the way he yeah. opened his body out yeah, and really into the far corner. Into 2012-2013 then, so this is the year Arsenal licking their wounds from not securing Neri Shaheen, and we go all in here. We bring in Santi Cazorla from Malaga, 19 million. Brilliant. Yeah, he was definitely a hit. He's just one of those players you love because he can kick with both feet. He'd take a little corners. magician. With right, with his right and left foot, you never knew which one he was going to take it with. Yeah, I remember social media going mental where he'd gone to take a corner and one of the players shouted something and he just switched and took it with the other foot and people were going absolutely insane. That is, he, he knows what he's doing there. He knows we're all watching that. What was the point in this happening to train our like weak foot in football training when we were younger when it's still meant to be such a mental thing when someone can use both feet? I think it's just the fact that most people can use it, but with him... It didn't matter which foot he used. Like you, you can see professional footballers pass the ball with their weak foot or score goals with their weak foot, but he could bend it far corner precision with his weak foot. Yeah, he he's one who loves Arsenal more than I thought he did as well. He's done countless interviews about how gutted he is. He never got to have a proper send-off. And all of this, so I do think he'll come back at some point to be on Arteta's staff because they're very good friends. So, and he's hinted at that, but he was one of them who I've said about countless players, but just a joy to watch, regardless of really who. I've never seen anyone that doesn't like Santi Cazorla. Yeah, no, he really was great to watch. Spurs fan or anyone, I think anyone doesn't really have a bad word to say about him and that smile. I think I said to you before, I don't know whether it was just falling victim of being Arsenal teams that were patchy at best or, or what, but I, I don't know if it was someone of his, the sheer quality that he had, maybe should have just done a little bit more in their career. I don't I don't know if I'm being super critical with that. I know he obviously he, ended up having injuries. Yeah, he I, suffered with injuries. Um, when you just consider, when, you know, compared to someone like, say, Fabregas, for example, I would say I don't think he's a million miles off the no. sort of level of those other Spanish midfielders and I don't if you look at their careers I don't think he had quite a career that some of them have had although part of it you have to the best midfield partnership he had at Arsenal was with Francis Coquelin which maybe tells you about the way we were built yeah I, I, I agree it could well be just the uh, you know the circumstance that the team he was with but just 
No, I, I do. I know. I know what you mean. For someone for the the level of quality, I think he had. Yeah, for, um, I think if it was him or Fabregas, I, I put them on another level. But I think because all is someone that you call great, and you you don't really go much deeper mm. than it because maybe he he's what he's what we preach about isn't he where we say we trust the eye test we, we we're not going to worry about the numbers or yeah most definitely anything else because he very much does pass the eye test a purist you could say <laughs> yeah so maybe the opposite of a purist for the next one 15 million pounds from SC Khan Lucas Podolski comes in where get your football purism out the window just belt it with your left foot lash it and that's all we want here there's a good bit of commentary. We played West Ham and commentary, commentator says, um, Podolski, you know we can hit them. And then it flies off his left foot before the keeper's even seen it and it's in the back of the net. It was just a shame that, that we, we never really found the place to work him into having a role in the side because he wasn't fast enough to be on the left wing, not for the Premier League. No. And I think even in the Bundesliga, he wasn't fast enough to play there. Our wingers at the time were far more kind of clinging to the t- clinging to the touchline than they were to the edge of the box. And then to play up front, he was too small. So he needed to play with someone. And the annoying thing was, it actually looked really good when he played alongside Giroud. Yeah, that should have made all the sense in the world. There's a great mm. goal, which I think is underappreciated in terms of Arsenal's best goals, where... We played Montpellier in the Champions League and Podolski plays a 1-2 with Giroud and Giroud, as Giroud does, plays this perfect little cushion touch and Podolski strikes it on the volley and it goes into the near post and the, the keeper has no chance. But I think there was something there. But the issue was you don't really have much time to prove yourself in a Premier League side to show whether you can be the main man because there's always going to be someone else willing to step up. Yeah, I've I always had the feeling of a slight missed opportunity with him. Um, I still would regard him as a hit. still think he was good for Arsenal. But maybe because of that, you know, his crazily good international record, I was just thinking they probably could have got a bit more out of him. But as you said, kind of trying to fit him in would never really seem to work. His character helped as well. Like, he was very much like... We, we won the derby against Spurs where Rizitsi came back and scored that peach and he was he got in with the fans and they were lifting him up in, and he was taking pictures like above them being lifted into the air and he would sing about like fuck off you Spurs and all sorts so he was just every club he's been at I think he dives in head first and he knows kind of the values of the club and all sorts and I think that earned him as much gratitude as anything because when you can see something's not working and people are still saying, you know, this guy needs to be in there, there's usually a reason. And I think that was because of it, just because people wanted to be able to celebrate with him. <laughs> Nacho Monreal signs that summer as well. And he's another one who I think can be among the best value signings we've had. £10 million from Malaga. The story of him signing. Arsenal are trying to get hold of his agent because we're trying to sign him late. No one can get a hold of him to get this deal over the line. He wakes up from a nap, as they do in Spain in the afternoon, and <laughs> he's got 16 missed calls from Santi Cazorla, <laughs> who he knows roughly from his time at, um, in Spain, but not too much in terms of crossing there. 
And he had a text from Cazorla saying, do you want to come to Arsenal? And he says, within 12 hours then, he's on a plane, he's come to Arsenal, he's signed his contract, and he's having a drink with Santi to celebrate his uh, signing a deal. Everyone loves a good transfer story. Well, it's a lot more entertaining than the ones you have these days. Yeah, Christ. that's true. The, I was saying to Troy earlier that the hallmark of uh, a, sh- a shite transfer story is um, he's agreed personal terms. <laughs> Essentially, these accounts can get away with it. It doesn't happen. Well, the clubs didn't agree it in the end, but the personal terms were all agreed. Yeah, yeah. And you're also making out like it's close when the biggest part of the deal hasn't been agreed. Yeah, the two clubs actually agreeing to it. <laughs> I could agree terms to join Arsenal today. Arsenal, well, I'm not going to agree the fee for, to go and play for Arsenal because they're going to want me to pay them. <laughs> but Monreal, I think, was brilliant. I think towards the end, he really started to get his props. He, he popped up with some very important goals. He had one in the FA Cup against United, um, in the FA Cup semi-final against Man City. He he did his job, and he even stepped in nicely as a centre-back when we needed him to. And he probably would have started a centre-back for us this season if we'd still had him. I thought, it was, I thought it was rash for us to sell him. I didn't really see the point. Very versatile. Like you said, you could pretty much put him anywhere and he would do a job. My thinking was, surely you could have got more money for Kalasanac than you could have got for um, Monreal. Monreal was sold for less than three million. I see, he didn't even get anything for him. I don't think he was desperate to leave either. And we sold him when we didn't have anyone fit at the time either. So it was really a mental one. I can understand if he sees us signing Tierney, it's like, well, I can see the direction they're going in here. But they could have at least told him, look, we're signing Tierney. He's not fit at the moment. Work for this season and we'll give you a fair crack. Well, he'll have to prove his place to get in. And for the time, Kalasanach was keeping Tierney out of the side until he wasn't. So it would have made a lot more sense to me to get rid of Kalasanach than Monreal, who I probably would have had on my shirt this season if he hadn't gone. <laughs> but that was a good little window, that was. 2013-14 then, the next real big signing after our shaving is Meza Ertzel. I was off school that day. But there was like a little rumour that was posted the night before that Arsenal fans you could be in for something big tomorrow. Next thing you know, wake up, Arsenal have agreed a, a deal for Ertzel, and then it's kind of the waiting game where you're sat watching them repeat the same old story. The prospect of watching deadline day is a lot more exciting in prospect than it actually is. <laughs> we yeah, always bring up the one we the one we watched together where we all came around mine to watch it and the biggest news was Clint Dempsey going to Spurs. <laughs> which your dad knew before everyone else. <laughs> Myth. How the fuck did he know? Clint Dempsey was in Spurs Lodge. So, uh, so that was huge, though. There was people going mental in the streets, setting <laughs> things on fire for the fact that we signed Ertzel. The bloke who was doing the reporting was trampled all over. People were running over cars, celebrating. <laughs> and I think a lot of people would deem Ertzel a miss, I think. And there really is two different Ertzils. There's the Ertzil before he signed his new deal and there's the Ertzil afterwards. Uh, because Ertzil up to signing that new deal, for as much as people will say about the big games, he did. He scored against Chelsea, he scored against United, he scored against Spurs, he had assists in all them. He set a league record for assists in his first season. He was very good. For a couple of years, he was the Ertzil that we signed. 
I think he lived up to the expectation to a point. I think that's why kicked on. I think that's why he's so polarizing now is that he was so good, and then it all just stops all of a sudden. Well, he still hasn't registered a goal or assist away from home since signing his new deal. Yeah, I can't remember the last time he even played. That's insane. Well, when did he last? Clearly, play? trying to get rid of him now, and you would think you can say how desperate you are to get back in the team. Doing an interview about how desperate you are to get back into the team seems to me the worst way you can possibly go about it. But I've never seen that work before. A player going to the press about their game time and actually working. It just doesn't happen. Didn't they offer him as well? They offered to pay his final year just to get him to go. And he declined To an extent, yeah. And he said no. Yeah, that he was offered a good look. No, he was offered a move to um, uh, uh, what the DC United before they got Rooney. I find that mad. I wouldn't. That is, his final years, his best years are behind him now. When you not, he still thinks that he's good enough to play at that level, and he probably is. If you've got, if you put him in that Man City team, and he has De Bruyne and Fernandinho or De Bruyne and Gundogan and whoever behind him, you hmm. probably would see the best of Ertzil because. If he can do that Phil Foden, David Silva kind of thing and just yeah. drift, he he is still brilliant. There was 45 minutes, and this sums it up. The game in which Chelsea beat us at the Emirates this year where Jorginho should have been sent off, it was the first big game under Arteta. And for the first half, he ran the show. I remember going on Twitter afterwards, see if it was just me. People go mental for his performance, the commentators, all sorts. And then... He was knackered after 50 minutes and that was it. So he, the, the number 10 is dying in football. Very few teams these days can actually use a number 10 yeah, and still it. set up properly. Liverpool yeah. and Man City are probably the only teams in our league that can do it. And even City have proven that they're still struggling then. Hmm. And it says a lot that Liverpool have that attack in front line and you think they could probably get more out of it if they have someone behind them. And they still say, look, no, that's that's going to put us too out of, too out of shape. Yeah, sort of tip so the balance too much. For a team like us, we can't afford to carry passengers. And you can't afford to risk being more defensively open on the off chance that Ertzel might get an assist. For all his fanboys might say, well, look at what he did in these games he's played. He still wasn't, we still weren't winning games, so he wasn't making a difference, was he? No, the reward has to be worth the risk. And with those type of players, when it stops going that way, then they're, they're no longer, for all they've got the talent, they're no longer worth their place in the team, unfortunately. The year Leicester won the league, Ertzel had 17 assists at Christmas. And then Giroud didn't score another goal for the rest of the season. <laughs> so that's where that league was lost. So... He, as I said, he was good until he wasn't. I still think 89% of people are giving him as a hit. Yeah. I think he's a hit, but I think if I had to put it on a 100% scale, it would be closer to your 52, 53, 54% mark than your 89% hit I rate. think it's, it's the fact that Fenger's legacy, one of the last things he did was get him on that bumper 350 grand a week contract. It goes it goes against him that, and as much as it probably wasn't the case, it feels like 
look, we have the choice out of Ertzel and Alexis, and we chose Ertzel. Yeah. yeah. And the reality yeah, probably is Alexis wasn't going to sign. So I imagine we'll, we'll speak about him shortly. But I think Arsenal were put in a position where they were damned if they did and they were damned if they didn't. Because you, you think if we didn't give Ertzel that deal and Ertzel and Alexis both leaving that same window, we would be crucified. Or if they both left on a free in the summer. Exactly. It would have been crazy. So we really, they had to give Ertzel that deal. Yeah. Nice. Just, yeah I, think, they, I think they had to. It's on him that it hasn't worked out. Yeah, I, I, I can see why they're sort of. I would agonise over giving a hit or miss. I'll give him a miss just in terms. Of, I think there's been enough sort of downside at this point that it's overwritten the sort of the good he did do. Yeah, as you said, he was good at the start, but he wasn't crazily good as in you know like club legend good, where you could say okay these last couple of years hasn't been great, but you know I think I think he has sort of tarnished it for himself, which. It's a shame because it's only because of how good a player he could have been. Yeah, pe- people blamed Emery because um, Emery dropped him. Wenger dropped him towards the end of his time at Arsenal, which people choose to forget. And Arteta's yeah. dropped him. So and Arteta doesn't trust him as far as he can throw him. So, and Freddie yeah. dropped him as well. So that's, yeah. Four, yeah, man- yeah, exactly. that's four managers who haven't played him. So Can't all be There's wrong. clearly something there, yeah. And it's not all the board saying, no, we don't. People think the board are saying, look, we don't care how good he is. We don't want him playing. If he came on the pitch and set up three goals in a row and we won 4 0, the board aren't going to say, We yeah. had enough of this. It's <laughs> yeah, that's crazy talk. The board have clearly, and I do believe the board are saying not to play him, by the way, but it's clearly they're saying, Look, there's, we've tried everything else. There's nothing else we can do. Let's show him that if he wants to claim the last years of his career, then he best get out now. So the next one up, polar opposite, Kim Kalstrom. <laughs> Spartak Moscow on loan I think his only real appearance was in the FA Cup semi-final against Wigan where he came on to score a penalty I won't repeat it all here but if you want something to make your day go back and watch his testimony of just that penalty and it's brilliant in itself <laughs> just legend we signed him with a broken back What? how much of a cult hero do you want and <laughs> signing to a place to cover for your injured midfield and you're signing with a broken back there we go Oh, this that seemed like such an Arsenal transfer as well years before it happened yeah. so we've got that window Ursul, we've then got Kim Kallstrom on loan Matthew Flamini on a free transfer when he came back he wasn't bad he scored the two peaches against Spurs in the League Cup and then he was a good kind of player to have in the squad the fact he's a billionaire now is mental do you, a do you know that Flamini I remember actually, yeah. He yeah. owns he owns an oil company or what? a team, uh, someone that's they're involved in like renewable energy. Um, <laughs> there was a petition among Arsenal fans asking him to buy the club. I did not know that. Yeah, he he's he's like ridiculously rich, and so I, I think I think he's still playing now. He just plays, he enjoys it because he doesn't need the cash. He's also best mates with it, so so there you go. Um, Yaya Sonogo. We've seen bad players before, and we usually <laughs> it's kind of like I'm trying to think of the worst Liverpool one we had. So, a player for Liverpool, David and Go. <laughs> the Liverpool players knew David and Go was bad. There was no denying that. But while trading or whatever, they take it seriously. I remember Yaya Sonogo went to Ajax on loan, and their own club posted footage of um, his teammates laughing at him. 
<laughs> he, he missed like six sitters in a training session and they had a compilation of him being laughed at in training that they posted. <laughs> and it was like, look, he scored on his Champions League debut within about 30 seconds against Borussia Dortmund and that was downhill from there. I always say it sums him up. He scored four in the Emirates Cup. Me and Troy were there and then he fell over celebrating. <laughs> Brilliant. You you thought you were on to a winner there as well. It's kind of just yeah. built you up. Just to... he looked he looked the type because he very quickly went from looking like a built centre forward to a lanky calamity. <laughs> it very quickly went from one to the other. Next signing then, so we're, we're kicking off twenty fourteen fifty. Alexis Sanchez from Barcelona, forty two and a half million. That's when when you break your transfer record. That's how well you want it to go. Yeah, but he was the perfect player for Arsenal. He like, was incredible. He was. You know, we spoke about last week about Torres, where you just feared playing him. Alexis was probably one of the only Arsenal players that I feared in a very long time. Alexis think, is what Chelsea fans think Hazard is, and the numbers <laughs> prove it. He's a good goal scorer. Blimey. He he was ridiculous. Proper player that can drag you to a win. And that's doing it as a little guy on the wing. Let alone, I think his game against West Ham away on a Saturday night 5.30 kickoff on BT Sport is one of the single best Premier League performances I've ever seen. He scores a hat-trick. The final one, you'll remember the goal because he's in on what I assume was Adrian at the time. And he fakes shots for Adrian to go down and then just chips it over him to, yeah. to seal his hat-trick. And his performance that day was just a joke. Like, when he was on it, he, he was on it. He, he single-handedly dragged us to a win against PSG in the Champions League. He was just ridiculous. And that was with Ospina in goal. I always found that weird when you played Ospina in goal. Yeah, the well, Czech, was the, Czech was the opposite, so... Your, your Czech slander needs to be stopped. We'll get on to him. He was not <laughs> bad. We've still got to talk about the worst ever signing. Alexis Sanchez. So Alexis Sanchez, after Fabregas, best player I've ever seen play for Arsenal. And I didn't have the pleasure of seeing Fabregas at the Emirates uh, more than once, I think. So... Alexis, in terms of one I've been able to see regularly, he was top and there isn't a close second. Yeah. It's just a shame it all went so wrong. Yeah, well, well, we've got Mkhitaryan to talk about, so... Would would you have preferred it to go the way it did? Or were you happy it went the way it did so you can remember him for being great Arsenal and that's it? Well, I think we went into a podcast, he signed on a Monday, so... I knew he was going to sign, obviously. I didn't know he was going to be playing the piano to glory, glory, Man United to make <laughs> transfer announcement. And I saw that right as... I think I watched it, and then I saw Connor at the door. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Please. He gives you a little smile as he walks in. And it was like, convince yourself here, Luke. Mkhitaryan's a baller. He's, he's what you need. You don't need Alexis here. And yeah, so I, I wish him all the best into Milan. 
United, absolutely not. <laughs> Callum Chambers then was the next one. £20 million he cost, which is often overlooked. Um, four, we've got a 46-54 split here. I think for the fee involved, you've got to give him a miss because he's shown for the most part that he's not a very good defender. <laughs> yeah, he's got to be he's, a miss. He's had flashes. He came in in the Community Shield, his first game against Chelsea, where he played very well. He then had a, a month or so where he was brilliant. Um, he started the season where we literally had nobody else. I think he got an England call-up off the back of it. And then it's really just... We shifted him out to right-back and he kind of mixed between right-back and centre-back and never really looked particularly convincing in all of them. I think the difference between him and maybe some of our other worst defenders is I think with the right player alongside him, you can get a good defender there. When he played alongside Mertesacker, it was different to when he played alongside Gashelny because alongside Mertesacker, Mertesacker would literally coach him through an entire game and tell him, do this, do that, and he would look okay. But when he was alongside Koscielny, for as good as Koscielny was, Koscielny was kind of that wild man in the defence, and you couldn't have two of them there. So that was where it really didn't work. Danny Welbeck is the next one. What would you say, hit or miss? £20 million pound is the fee. I'd probably have to say hit for that goal against Man United. <laughs> that, that, that is the game changer. Yeah, I think it is. It's well, a what miss. would you say? It's a miss for me. That's the way I thought you were going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't think you did enough. Ultimately, if you go from Arsenal to Watford, something didn't go well. Yeah, that's I, kind of my thinking. On a free as well. We didn't even offer him a contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I believe that one to be a miss. I, we had some great moments, and he's one well like Carl Jenkinson. I do think he seemed a great bloke, which did mean it was nicer when he scored but for the most part the amount of goals that were set up by him missing the ball was <laughs> mental so yeah he the great moment against United in the FA Cup especially for the fact that he celebrated it that made it better yeah. at Old Trafford as well definitely but yeah he, he, he had some awful moments he was he, he if we could have kept him as a role player yeah, I, th- I think that was, was right, yeah. But as as just starting centre-forward, which is obviously what he wants to be, he's not that guy. He, no, he's not. I think if he's ever going to be at a top club again, which isn't going to happen, but if that was going to happen, it would be um, on the wing and it's going to be for his work rate. Yeah, he's going to be a dog, isn't he? He's not but be, uh... His injury record then goes against that, so nobody's going to take a chance on him. No. I, I don't actually think he'll come back to the Prem. I think he's going to have to stay with Watford down there. Which could be rough for him, because if he doesn't score goals at that level, you're in trouble he, then. He doesn't strike me as the type either. Like someone like Charlie Adam, Charlie, I Charlie Austin. <laughs> I can see with his style of striker why, how he can score goals at a lower level and he can clean up there. Same as if Danny Ings was to go down, or yeah. if someone. I actually thought Connor Wickham would do well if he went down there, but that obviously. You always had more belief in him than a lot of people. Yeah, but I could see with that kind of striker. I don't think with Danny Welbeck, especially now that 
the bridge between the Premier League and uh, the Championship is shrinking by the season, mm. I think he could have a rough time down there. Yeah, I suspect he could be right. So we've not got too many left. So Gabriel Paulista, rough and rugged, probably remembered mostly for his spat with Diego Costa. Yeah, I've, I remember him. And I just remember him getting wound up by Costa and falling into his trap. I loved it. <laughs> that was, I, I remember being the Emirates um, and someone claiming that because he played football in the favelas of Brazil, he couldn't possibly need to be staying down for whatever had happened. <laughs> so he's got a broken leg. Like, Come on. Yeah, exactly. And I, he was out for months after it as well. I think it was against Palace or something like that. But yeah, this bloke was insistent. Look, he's odd. He should be from Brazil. This is nothing. So get up. Fucking hell. 15 million we paid for him. I do think there was a player there. Do you? It's just, you look at, I think you look at how he's played in La Liga and there definitely is a player there. He just, you look at the defenders we signed around him and the goalkeeper we had behind him was never going to work. I think as well, like, to be a slim build centre-back in the Premier League, you're always going to be up against it. You've got to be good in other areas. Whereas in Spain, I think he's a bit more forgiving with the players that they have over there. Well, do you not think we've seen that... Um... Diego Carlos the last um, week or so playing for Seville and he's tipped as being one of the hottest prospects in Europe in terms of a centre-back and he looks like a mentalist and (laughs) it works if you have someone alongside you that can kind of mop up when you do have your crazy streak Paralista did need someone alongside him to kind I think him and Mertesacker wouldn't have been a bad mix if Mertesacker was a few years younger but I guess he was in there to be the Koscielny backup, but it just yeah. didn't quite work like that. He was a loose cannon <laughs> and not the good kind. Matteo Debushi, that was a horror show of a transfer. <laughs> it really was. 15 million, I could see the logic. He was decent enough at Newcastle. I yeah. thought, thought he was a decent right back. He came to us and his legs, he was running through treacle every single time. <laughs> And then he finally put up a bit of form and um, Arnautovic broke his collarbone. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he was he was awful. He, we were glad to get him off the books because they even tried playing him a centre-back for a bit to see if his legs could cope there with pace around him. And I think that was Jenkinson kept, kept him out of the team for a bit. I think as well, that shows that step-up, doesn't it? When you play for a team lower down the league and you sat in your area or your half for the the majority of the game, you get shown up when you're sat on the halfway line having to chase back a counter-attack. I think it was one of them where Newcastle lost him and they were like, okay, we actually didn't need him as much as we perhaps thought we did. Yeah, Yeah, agreed. Um, If we go on then, so David Ospina, as I said, £4 million we paid for him, pretty horrific, had some good spells. Whenever he played in the Copper America, he turned into Superman, but and if he wasn't playing against Messi, then he seemed to be pretty much garbage. <laughs> the only player that... I've seen spill it into his own net from a corner on more than one occasion. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally catch it... it and bring it back over the line. I think he has to be a miss just for that horrible chant you made up for him. 
And he just, every time he took a goal kick, oh, Ospina. It's like, sake. it's just the worst. <laughs> Let's not talk about bad chance when we're talking about Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, Ospina, it it, we didn't even get a sell-on for him. So Napoli had him. He went over there. They loved him. And then Wenger apparently had a gentleman's agreement whether he was like, <laughs> we'll give you him for two mil. Don't even worry about paying us what we paid for him. Two million to do it. And they haggled over that. Absolutely horrendous. I think we gave him to him for another loan for a year before they eventually paid the two mil. So bad. So we're into 2015-16. Ospina clearly not doing the job. Petr Cech becomes available. <laughs> Arsenal go in for him. We've got a 60-40 split here. What do you think the split is in favour of? I think it's going to be a miss. I reckon it's going to be a hit. 60% gave him as a hit. <laughs> no way. Insane. Honestly, I've seen some bad goalkeepers in my time as an Arsenal fan. He's the worst. <laughs> oh, the Literally worst. the worst. <laughs> I've never seen Blimey. anything like it. Right from his first game when he concedes to West Ham from about 50 yards. That was a bad first game. He was sent in as an undercover agent. And it was topped off nicely <laughs> when he's announced as technical director of Chelsea from the next season. And then we play him in the Europa League final against Chelsea. <laughs> Explain but that one to me, he was, he, he was... No, he one... wasn't our best player. Because I know you're about to say that. He was one of your better players in that final. He made some <laughs> Look, good saves. the ball wasn't set high, was it? <laughs> Iwobi was one of the best players that day and he only played 10 minutes. Scored a peach. Czech was garbage. He only saved I mean, one penalty the old time. Just the worst keeper. Some of the keepers you've had there, that is quite That's a That's what I mean. <laughs> Fabianski wasn't that bad. He's a bit flappy with his crosses. Flappy Hansky. Um, flappy I Hansky. I thought was creative at the time. Probably not so much now. Chesney was a madman. He was better than that. Vito Manoni, look, I'll have given him and his beacon of a go. Czech was no player is my blood ball like it. The only one who comes close is Unai Emery himself. Do you think it was because he was brought in with the uh, the statement that he's as good as getting you twelve extra points? Do you think that's did, what it was? I did. I did buy the hype at first. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I saw, just... I, was, I saw the tag on my Facebook the other day and it was like check first, messy next what are we going to do this window and then, Christ. <laughs> I've I just trawled through your tweets it. to see if I can find any contrary tweets, praise and check and it is all just hate from you by I was going to say, I don't think you'll find any of them no. <laughs> Christ, I wouldn't even want to see it it'd bring too many bad feelings back huh. Probably some things I wouldn't be proud of saying either. This is what I mean by oh, helmeted. You t- you take our players that no we no longer want to have on our books. Well, I mean, like, that we said you then had Courtois for another half a season, then got Kepper. So I think yeah. we were both losers there. Yeah, I think you're right. The next one up, the Prince of Egypt, Mohamed Al Neni. Oh Jesus! Twelve and a half million, five percent have deemed him a hit. <laughs> Fair play to them. He he he's another one who I did like, but he didn't really have any 
outstanding quality. He was just there. He was just a shirt. Yeah, he 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 wasn't awful at anything, but he he wasn't great at anything either. So he did score a peach of the new camp though. So there you go. We've got maybe one of the worst windows in history. Someone said it was the worst. Someone on Reddit deemed this the worst 70 million ever spent here. So at the start of uh, the 2016-17 window, Arsenal dropped 70 million on Granite Xhaka and Shkodran Mustafi. That is very, very bad. That's Bakayoko levels. And Xhaka has actually charmed me lately. He was deemed, like Mustafi on about, is the saviour to the problems you had in your defence. Yeah, didn't pay off like that. <laughs> no, he no. didn't. That's... He was regarded as a decent centre-back before he went to you as well. Yeah, he didn't finish like that. <laughs> no, he didn't. What about Jacker? So, I mean, Mustafi's quite obviously a miss. Yeah. Would you? What would you give Jacker? Because 70% of people say he's a hit. Christ alive. Wow. I mean, I like his left foot. Like he, When he hits a ball from distance, it stays here. He's one of those players that you just admire for his just ball-striking ability. I know what you said there, TK. He, he is doing the early Ramsey where, quite literally, game by game, the opinion of him does seesaw. Yeah. The, the, since the restart, he has been very good. But Yeah, no, I agree. Since, him a miss. since the restart, he's looked a different player to what I've seen before because we've had a conversation about him before where I'm... Literally saying, I've not seen anything from him to indicate he's a good player. Like, like what Jack said there, he can hit a ball, but as I'm sure you're aware, nine times out of ten, he also lashed it into the stands as yeah. much as he can hit yeah. one. Um, yeah, just for such a liability, very rash, not mobile, can't get about the pitch, sometimes can pass the ball well, but not. But then since the restart, whenever I've seen him, he's been very good. So maybe yeah. he's going to turn it around, but as it stands, there's quite a backlog of to get through yeah. before he can get well, there. We'll, we'll run through some of these just because I think my headphones might die and I don't think you two want to hang around when they charge to finish off. So, <laughs> Lucas Perez, 1% hit rate. I do think there was a player there, but like Podolsky, too small to lead the line on his own and wasn't really given much of a chance. Weird not to give him a chance. We spent 20 million on him. Yeah, um, very odd. 3 million for Rob Holding. For all of my critique, I do think you have to give him as a hit for that price. He's won two FA Cups, started both finals. Did have an alright run for a little bit as well prior to his injury. Yeah. yeah he was another one who was taught for an England call up, and I think he was called up and then was injured. So So we're down to 2017 18. What would you give Lacazette? Hit or miss? £53 million. Pounds. I, I instinctively thought hit, and I did forget how much money they spent on him. 77% of people gave him a hit. I'll still say a hit. I think this season hasn't been good for that. For I think prior to that, I would have probably definitely said a hit, and then this season I've been questioning yeah. it. I find it um, mad that that's the same about... price. Sorry, TK, you go. Mate. Sorry, Sorry. Man, no, no, carry on. I was, I was done. I was literally just going to say, like, I know it's different time periods, so it's you can't compare the two. But fifty million on Torres, who won the Champions League and scored in Europa League final. <laughs> To Lacazette <laughs> for 53 million. How is he making this comparison? Because it's for the La- same price. Lacazette at Arsenal has been better than Torres was at Chelsea. Yeah, that's lit. Can you slay me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One headphone died. Yeah, that, that's, that's mental, Jack. 
<laughs> what a take. What? I wouldn't and you've say, had some bad he, takes as well. How's he still going out to bat for this Torres one, for God's sake? I'm not bad <laughs> for Andy Carroll. <laughs> what? So, Jack, would you give him a hit or a miss then? I'd probably have to give him a miss for the price tag. For 53 million, you want a top so quality striker. strikers you gave a hit for the Chelsea <laughs> when we did ours is... I don't think you can actually give more than three misses for some of the ones you gave a hit as Chelsea. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was pretty... I dished out the misses. Are you, are you joking? <laughs> you gave a hit to Real Morelish. I think, yeah, but so did Liverpool fans. He's a cult following. What? Yeah, is there any just... question about Aubameyang? No. No, I don't think no. so. No, I don't think so. Is there any question that Jack and Alex are trying to get out of a gentleman's bet? <laughs> I'll have to listen back to the. Uh, I'm to sure the you I said think. he signs within the week. I bet you. I said times. I thought he would sign within the week, and then when we agreed the bet, I think we said before the season starts. I do remember he did make a point of specifying, so I'll have to go back and listen to it because he yeah, did make a point to, of being specific. I, need to I mean, listen to it. Jack seems wriggly enough. Alex saying that he has to stay for the year before I get the money. <laughs> <laughs> even more mental <laughs> sweating in that January that transfer is, window that is brilliant <laughs> um, Mikatarian comes that window as well the only good thing he did was the Aubameyang announcement video brilliant where Arsenal fans did the scouting to see that in the film and they'd done for Mikatarian, he did say hey Pierre you want to come out here and then obviously it goes on to go into the video so other than that worst swap deal in the history of football <laughs> and ending and us terminating his contract well look, tried... we said before about a deal is that both sides want to feel like they've won neither side <laughs> felt yeah. like they won here I think as well both contracts blame... been terminated as well <laughs> you tried to blame your Europa League final loss on him not being allowed in the country I do remember hearing well there was a disgrace was celebrating it? it wasn't allowed in it was a disgrace. Just like the Chelsea loss wouldn't have happened if um, they hadn't sent off the wrong player. What, the 6-0? Yep. <laughs> we need to come back. I want some of the straws you're clutching up, mate. You aren't done with Real Moresh. I say Kalasanac, so <laughs> it says a lot here. 79% of people deemed him a miss um, when he was a free transfer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of his first games, you just seemed like this hard bloke that you would not he be scored, He scored an equaliser against Chelsea in the Community Shield in his first I remember. game. Initially, I made him my profile picture on Facebook. He looked like a great player. I remember it was like typical of the man as well. We jumped up and just barged people out of the way yeah. or something for the goal. Yeah, we, we were at the game and we were down the side that he was on and we were loving it the way he was bombing up and down there. And then mm. after that, I don't think he played a forward pass. <laughs> So, a Wenger or someone got it out of him. Konstantinos Mavropanos, I don't expect you to know much about him, but he played a couple of games and some Arsenal fans think he's the future. I'm not convinced at all. We've just given him a new deal. He played in that game where we had our youngsters out against United and they shit out a goal late with a Fellaini header. But he was sent off in that game for a horrendous challenge, but people were convinced that he's still the the next coming of I don't know what Socrates maybe 
we go on to 2018-19. So this is one from the last window. So we've only got a couple of players to go through. So Lucas Torreira, we got another 51-49 split here. And I'm assuming the 51 for the hit is for the player we got for the first couple of months. And then the misses for everything that was after that. I was going to say, yeah, there's quite, yeah. <laughs> quite some good period of time. Him in the 10 didn't help. <laughs> in his partial defence, only partial in his defence. I think he did get to a stage where he kind of ran about so much on the pitch, he couldn't even play him just to hold and roll anymore because he wouldn't stick to where he was supposed to anyway. Yeah, I, I think Arsenal fans, myself included, kind of gawked at the thought of selling him last um, summer when he was linked. Yeah. I yeah. think we're not going to get any more money than, for him than we would this summer and he seems to want to go back to Italy. So I think we take the cash and I think if we can get, we paid 28.65 million, if we can get something around 20 million plus for him. I, mean, I think the player is there. He just, it's just not going to work. I think he's too small for the Premier League. Yeah. It's an odd one, isn't it? That oh, first, those first few months, he did look a proper player. That loss to Liverpool, um, where he then still posted like six clips of him celebrating his consolation goal at the end. <laughs> Legend. Burned Leno. Probably one of the most on this list that I was unconvinced of before we even signed rather than my usual optimism that fades. And then he's he's gone on. He's definitely got some weaknesses. I think his the way he commands the area when coming for crosses is probably his biggest flaw. But he's he's been great now for the two seasons that we've had him. Yeah, a little bit like yourself, I had some reservations about him just from what people had said about him. It looked like uh, he was kind of the cheap option to get as a young goalie. But uh, he's... Yeah, he's been one of the better keepers in the league, really. Not the top, top, but I think outside of that, I think he's very good. You've probably got, these days, Edison Allison, and then you've probably got a tier below that. And, and Edison's been questionable this year. Being in there, so... Hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, we've got, he's got to try and get his place back from Aaron Martinez this summer. After, if you could combine them two, you'd have a great player. This player here, the disrespectful Socrates, Socrates Papas Stopolos from uh, Dortmund. So what happened here was when Wenger left, we tried uh, like rearranging how we did our transfers and we went down the path of the kind of stat DNA thing, which we've spoken about on air plenty of times before. But the guy who we had in charge um, had come from Dortmund and he was the guy that did it there when they picked up the talents. But seemingly, rather than using the data, we just signed all the Dortmund players. So <laughs> we got Aubameyang, which obviously worked very well. But we got Socrates in there. We had Leno, who they knew from the experience in the Bundesliga. Socrates, I think, is one of our better defenders. 64% of people had him as a miss on here. When wow. I think he's more reliable than probably... I don't know that defender. He's probably more reliable than everyone bar Tierney. Yeah. The issue yeah, is when he's I had don't... bad games, they have been very bad. Like I picked him up and then he got spun out his boots against Liverpool, which can happen to any defender really, but I think that's the overriding memory because he got sent off in that game as well. I don't think him it's not testament to how good he is, it's testament to how poor your defence can be. 
on its day. And it's that's... the age, his age and the contract he's on, so he's refusing to leave now, which is never nice as a fan when you feel you're being held to ransom, but at the same time, you offer if, the, if the club offer you a hundred and something grand a week and then some other club to offer you to leave and play at a lower level is offering you 50,000. Really not that hard to work out why you would stay. So you, the onus is on the club to say, why are you giving this contract to someone that's that age? So can't blame him too much. I think there's a place for him in, in our team. What if he's, whether it's coming off the bench, which it looks like it will be, but if it's a choice between keeping him or Mustafi, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah. He can play left back and right back as well to some success. What about Gwendozi then? Hard to say anything but a hit when we bought him for seven million and he's on about going for between thirty and forty. He's always seemed lightweight to me. Like I don't know why. It just seems like I guess it's because you've pinned so much of your midfield hopes on him. And when he, he does, is very good, just he's just got a horrible attitude. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's had three it's... managers in his time from youth level to now, and he's been exiled by every manager, literally kicked out of the team. It's mad, isn't it? Because you were looking like you were going to build your team around him at one stage this season, and now he's completely ousted. Do you reckon there's I mean, a way back for him? No, some Arsenal fans have complained, but we've been asking for a manager that's going to put his foot down. And so you can't complain then when a manager's going to do it. It's yeah, trivial things yeah, that he's happened. We went on this tour to Dubai, which is when Sabayos ended up charming Arteta with his work rate. And we were on some supposed like professional thing where they went to like a music display or something. And they said Gwendozi was whipping his shirt off and swinging it around his head. And yeah. Arteta had to tell him like, look, you're representing Arsenal here for our sponsors and everything. You can't be behaving like this. Mm. And then he went to training and he tried having a fight with Socrates, who apparently handled himself very well in the circumstances. And so Arteta sided with Socrates here and told Gwendouzi, like, and I know in certain terms, this is your last chance. I won't be standing for this while I'm in charge. Yeah. And then the way he handled himself with the Brighton game, I think he was more annoyed that you had 90 minutes to deal with this. You wait till full time and then you do it. Yeah. It just makes us look like makes us look like clowns. So obviously, I think Arteta gave him a chance to apologise. He refused and said, "Right, well, you're out then." Fair play. I mean, you got to back your manager at that point. The 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 rumours. I'm sure. Usually, with if if there's so many rumours, I'm sure some agents have got in touch. I'm not sure the Barca's in that are going to take a punt on him now because they're in a worse position than they were when they were linked with him. But I think someone like Atletico Madrid or someone like that that's been in his ear, he's probably thinking, well, I'll be better off without him anyway. And so he's probably not too put out and we've won silverware without him. So Arteta's probably thinking, I can't be dealing with it. Yeah. Probably like a bloke who thinks he's got the best looking bird in the world and then uh, months down the line, he's absolutely sick of listening to it. And he's like, is this worth it anymore? <laughs> and Arteta's thinking the talent's there, but I can't be dealing with this. I think it's to the detriment, well, to his detriment that Jack has, like we said earlier, has had such a good restart. I think well, Jack has that... come back from the brink. He's come back from fans saying all sorts about it, myself included, to then 
if he's not in the starting lineup, being disappointed because you see the difference that he can make when he's played in the right position. So, yeah, the the it's there in football. It's things can change very quickly. So you you've got the opportunity to turn things around, and he's had plenty of chances now. And I think, as we said on previous podcasts, me and TK in particular, sometimes um, did I did I cut? Then I'm all right. No, no, no you're, you're all right. Good. No. Uh, sometimes the chance is given if you turn it around and it gives the manager the opportunity to then show just how powerful he is. So that's obviously what's happened. Um, Lichsteiner and Dennis Suarez, I don't think too much needs to be said on them. Both no. horrendous. <laughs> Dennis Suarez, I think, made three appearances and we paid, we paid two and a half million to loan him. So he didn't. He was dreadful. Lichsteiner was one of them where I, I saw the idea of bringing him in. Legs looked like he'd left him in Italy. Yeah, so, long gone, wasn't he? Yeah, last window now. So I appreciate you both uh, sticking around here. I don't know. That's all right. What Jack's missing out on. No roast dinner this week, so he's all no, right. No, got pasta and tuna waiting for me. No, been a fan of tuna. Cat food. <laughs> Nicolas Pepe, hit or miss, what would you two give? Uh, I mean, a lot of money. He's shown it in glimpses. Is it one of those seasons where he needs to get used to the Premier League? But he's never taken the game by Scruffy's net and you pay that amount of money. And you leave your... I mean, you leave your... in the FA Cup final? He was okay. He wasn't brilliant. You're joking me. <laughs> You're joking. He, I don't think he was like seventy million pounds worth of player. Yeah, Reese James is waking up in the middle of the night, having nightmares about and sweats. I, I personally, for me, I'm going to give him a hit, but I think there's got to be more to come for a seventy-two million pound player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. TK, yeah, what I, would you be saying? Yeah, I I think he will be a hit. I've, I've said before, I, I do think there's a player there. Um, but if I, you know, I did by the same measuring stick as I did with Liverpool players last week, I'm thinking of, say, like Cater, for example. I think if I'm forecasting what I think he can do, I think he might well be a hit. For Pepe, I think he might well be a hit. But if I, you know, if you say his career ends tomorrow, I'll have to say a miss for now. He's got 20 goals and assists this year, man. I think it's been a decent first season. I think, you know, the price tag isn't his fault. It's not his fault. It was £72 million. I think he's been good. I don't think people who said he's been a bust or whatever are right, but I don't think I can yet say he's a hit either. Well, we've got Raul Sanye being investigated now for his transfer business, haven't we? <laughs> Paid £5 million over Leno's release clause. Paid <laughs> over what Sampdoria wanted for Lucas Torreira, so... So oh, like yeah. he's, it looks, looks like, like he's been paying his mates off on the side. Yeah. Some brown envelopes exchanging hands. Um, William Saliba, we don't really know enough yet to know whether no. he'll be a hit or miss. Kieran Tierney, hit yeah, 100% he's got on uh, here. Yeah, yeah. not surprising. That. David Louise. <laughs> if he hadn't won a trophy at the end of the season, he would be a miss. And that's. Oh, he'd be a hit. Yeah, he would be a definite miss. I think that saves him a little bit. 64% of people say he's a hit. Bloody hell. I think, yeah. I think and they're bloody does, right. 
if he doesn't win the, the FA Cup, he goes down as an unresiding miss, I would say. Is he saving oh, grace? I've still got to give him a miss. I, I don't think oh, he's... Wow. Wow. I don't think he's the complete car crash that some people do, but he's not a million miles off either. It's, he hasn't been great. I'm surprised 36% gave him a miss <laughs> after that performance in the semi-final and final. He bent Chelsea over his knee and he gave him a good old talking to and said, you will respect me. <laughs> oh, respect how much longer do I have to listen to this? <laughs> Oh, wasn't this um, bad after we won a European trophy against you? Pablo <laughs> Mari, we don't know a lot about yet. Gabriel Martinelli, we give a hit after what he did to Chelsea as well. <laughs> we had David Luiz sat. He can run in a sofa. straight line. There was a sofa. Well we had we had Martinelli sat on one cushion, and we had Luiz on the other, and Chelsea were bent across both knees, <laughs> and he was just getting lashed. Oh, and God. saying you will respect me I I just wish like this was the drug bit era I would have so much fun the two best Brazilians in the league man fuck's sake actually Louise probably third Williams probably second best <laughs> <laughs> Cedric Suarez no was he this no. season mm. I thought yeah, we got him on loan and then he signed it on a free transfer oh right I see he had a good game against Norwich <laughs> <laughs> and then we've cup tied for the FA Cup. So I'm I'm ropey there. I think that's one of them San Lehi ones where we've given a three year deal to a bloke that Southampton weren't missing too much. So Yeah. Danny Ceballos sure from Real Madrid. Weird. It is a weird, weird one because some Ceballos. games you'd say he's been brilliant. He he's I, been great games... since February. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he sometimes he's great... great. His game against Brighton at the start of the season was when Arsenal fans were like, Jesus, we've got... I mean, people wanted him to Arsenal to bid and sign him there and then. That's what I mean. You, you, I remember you on the podcast saying those exact words. Because you were there. That game, that, yeah, and then after, since the restart, he's been a joke as well. So he's been playing a bit deeper. So hopefully we can get him on another loan with... An obligation this summer, but I, guess it, I, I think guess it's with what's hard. going on at Madrid and their finances, they might say they got cash. Odegaard and plenty more there. So I think if we offer the right terms, then he clearly likes being with us, and he like he can't be holding off of Arteta. So mm. yeah, I think he's a hit. Is that 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 spell of the season where he did go missing is a concern, but. It could just be that that was his first year in England, so you can kind of you allow it. I think if you can get to the right price, everybody wins. Well. Yeah. And then finally, um, William Borges de Silva, or to <laughs> Platinum. Now he's made the move. <laughs> what if you had? If we were doing another one of these in a year's time, Jack, do you think we'll be saying hit or miss? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably have to... Yeah, It'd be actually interesting to see him play for you so you can get the same viewpoint as I had, where... Well, it sounds he, like he's going to be playing beyond the striker rather than on the wing. Yeah, I mean, he he does some great things, but then he'll do some fucking terrible things ten times more than he does the great things. So it's so... 
That's why we're so frustrated because we know how good he can be, but he just I think didn't what do we've it seen enough. since and what we've seen this season, Hazard was holding him back. Yep. <laughs> Once he's been set free since, different I think, player. I think no, I think it's the fact that he was probably doing the same as he was doing now. It was just we had Hazard on one wing, looking silky on the ball, making things happen. Like and then we had and then we had William on the other wing. Ruining it, tripping over the ball. Yeah, ruining it. Don't you forget when he's a when he's a hit. Me and TK have been in his corner for a long time, yeah. so you can't even call this fickle yeah. on my part because I've been yeah. I've been backing him when you haven't been. Yeah, it's true. Uh, like I said, he will do brilliant things for you, but he'll also annoy the fuck out of you as well. So hey, that seems to be what happens with an Arsenal player, anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It could be the ultimate test of how much you were backing him before. It could be a couple of games <laughs> in, you're like, what the fuck was I doing? I think, I mean, is what, I think that to be fair, if we'd offered him the same as Arsenal, he would have stayed. It's just the case that we are not going to give a 32-year-old player a three-year contract. Well, we've offered him less wages, but another year is the difference. Exactly. The, uh, if he does follow the trajectory of players that have gone from Arsenal to Chelsea, <laughs> you know, this will get messy yeah. very that, quickly. That, that was awful, the... Mirror or male trying to say we're paying him 225 grand a week, and then you read the article and they're saying if you account for the signing on fee, his uh, appearance bonuses, and there's something a, else, then you divide it, then it equates to this. So, there seems to be more and more of that in the press as well, where you see the uh, the number and the headline, and then when you read the uh, sort of small print, because yeah, you, you are thinking some of these players like they're not making that, sure, fuck that. he's I getting think... paid 100 grand a week, which is good business for us. Obviously, the third year, I'm sure we wouldn't have liked to, but we weren't getting him otherwise. So it was a case of we'll put up with him for a year if we have to and to hope that his influence is enough to make it worth it. I think when you take into consideration that you've had to make 55 of your staff redundant to fund this deal, this I is, think that gives no, a bitter taste. Some of this, I even looked into that furloughing things like stewards isn't great but when you're not going to have people back for that long look if you if you tell me do I want new signings or don't know do I want no staff to have jobs sorry lads <laughs> Bruce what, if, if you if, if you got asked Liverpool have to make 55 staff redundant but it means you can sign Thiago which one are you taking I, I genuinely I would keep the staff I don't particularly want us to Santiago <laughs> I, the, the problem with it is is it's indefensible but the reasons people are bringing it up are not for genuine reasons Chelsea fans or whatever aren't thinking oh I feel terrible for these Arsenal staff it's I want to rub something in Arsenal's face <laughs> I, I, the same thing with the Liverpool thing the Liverpool thing was indefensible them trying to have a third scheme particularly with the mantra of the club and the way they try and sort of this means more stuff you can't be going in and trying to use the furlough scheme. It's indefensible. But opposition fans bringing it up, they don't give a fuck about the staff. They don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, I don't think Chelsea want to talk about ethics either because if we had ethics in football, then they wouldn't be half as successful as they are. Because Roman wouldn't this, be allowed to be a manager. <laughs> no. The owner. We, we were a food bank. We housed NHS so staff. We. No furlough for our players. How many trees did your right back plant? I think we've cut how many people? Out. How many people has Roman kills? <laughs> if if I run through these last questions, best signing 2006 to 2020. 
Sanchez. What are you saying, TK? Did Sanchez win anything? He won the FA Cup twice, didn't he? Won the FA Cup, yeah. Or once? Was it once or twice? Twice. Twice, yeah. Yeah, I scored in both finals as well. Yeah. What? Oh, TK's mute. So you muted TK if you didn't know, or maybe you did know. What's going on there? Maybe is his headset died potentially? Hmm. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened there. I uh, I said I said Sanchez, but Aubameyang could well. Yeah. Well, Nick, that. Best value signing. I thought Ramsey. Yeah, I mean it's hard to disagree with that. Um, I'm gonna go Montreal. Fucking hell. <laughs> Ten million for him. Yeah, Ramsey for six. Yeah, we got more out of uh, Montreal games wise. It'll be Martinelli in a few years. Or Tierney, to be fair. 25 million for a left-back like that when you look at what the other prices are being paid. Yeah. Well, the, the thing with that being as well, it's not like Tierney was like a secret. Everybody knew no. he was going to come to England, whatever. So everyone should have been in for him. Well, other than probably you know, Liverpool with Robertson. What about worst signing? You've got a lot to look for here. I think Mustafi by far and away myself. Someone said Lucas Perez. That's harsh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's hard to see past Mustafi. I'm trying to make cases. It's just class seeing some of these answers here where it's just all random people. We've got Mustafi, Sonogo, Squilacci, Andre Santos, Arshavin, <laughs> Sylvest. Someone's just put too many to count. <laughs> Elneny, Kim Kellstrom, Ertzil, Gallas, Park Chu Young. The beauty of these picks are as well, I could agree with all of them. They could yeah. all have a fair <laughs> shout. Um, what about if Wenger had taken over instead of Arteta, do you think he'd have done better this season or worse? I was a little confused. Are we getting prime Wenger back? What's the... It just if Wenger, as he is now, if he steps in to be the manager this season, so say they say, look, Arsene, we're going to have you to the end of the season... Do you think he wins the FA Cup or do you think he comes higher than eighth? I think he comes higher than eighth. But I, it's, it's so difficult because with the team that he would have, the way that he played football, he'd be just completely wide open more than he usually was. <laughs> so it's like Arteta's brought a bit of kind of defensive mindness to it. It's, I mean, yeah, I, question... I, I don't think. I think the way, if you consider. The criticism of Wenger on his way out was that basically he was just setting the team up one way and wasn't adjusting to how the opposition yeah. played. The most success Arteta has had so far has been by reacting to what the opposition are going to do and adjusting accordingly. So I think as great as Wenger was, of people said he'd be worse. Yeah, then, I don't think in the short term he's that guy. If Arteta had been in charge all season, where would he have finished? Champions, top four, Europa League places, or outside the top eight? 1% said champion, so I like that. <laughs> I think I think he would have finished um, where Wolves did if he was in Yeah, charge. Europa League places is... Yeah. Um, top. I think, think he might... finished one place higher, Wolves? I think they might have pipped Spurs. I think they might have pipped Spurs to save. Okay. And then best player of the Emirates era, Arsenal. So I guess that probably ties unless you want to... Unless you'd say Fabregas. Or I'll say Ramsey, maybe. Someone said Henri on loan, so that's that four games. <laughs> so I may take abuse on an anonymous quiz, but RVP. 
mean, um, yeah. I think it's essentially Fab- Alexis, Sesk, Fabregas. Someone's a couple of said Kazola and uh, Kishelny. Jeez. Urzel. I'm surprised no one's saying Aubameyang in there. I'd say that's a Persie. couple. Yeah. Didn't you have, have that um, ridiculous scoring records? Yeah, I would. I would still go Alexis. I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd give Alexis. I think. I think we forget just how good he was. Yeah. And the last question: Which haircut was worse, Javinia or Shamak? I think Shamak because he could do something else. With yeah, I, I went with Shamak for the same reason. His is less excusable. Yes. Yeah, Javinia was just clinging on to what he could do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that just about does us. So we'll be on to United next week. There is less to get into. So. Do appreciate your time today, chaps. Three hours there. Thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. As always, we'll be back next week. We may have AJ back with us, so brace yourself for that. Goodbye.